The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Ball sends it over to Edward Robles. Go and surname FC. What is up, everybody? My name is Hector Flores, host of the Insert Name FC podcast, a member of Belly Up Sports Media Network. You can also find us on Spotify, Pandora, Apple. Is Pandora still a thing? Maybe. Uh, but, you know, anywhere you can get your podcasting from. Uh, of course, you can find us on YouTube. Please subscribe. If you guys are follow, uh, checking us out on YouTube, please give us a like and a, a subscription to the YouTube channel. We're trying to get that growing. Um, just so we have another way you guys can to, can watch this episode. And, of course, if you're talking about watching, well, we do have this amazing partnership with Goals TV. It is essentially Hulu, but with just soccer content. So you can also catch us there on Goals TV. Another great thing. But joining me, as always, is my best friend and the other host of the show, Ed Robles. Hey, how's it going, guys? I'm going to try to put a very brave face today. Um <laughs> It is top of the six, and the Astros are losing eight to two to the Texas Rangers in game seven oh. of the American League Championship Series. So, um, it's not looking good. And probably the Texas Rangers are going on to the World Series. Uh, the first time that they're going to the World Series since 2011 when they lost. Um, so it wasn't a great year for the Astros. I'm just going to go ahead and point that out. It wasn't are the best they, are year. Are they playing? Are they? Are they playing in Arlington or are they playing here in Houston? They're, this is the weirdest ALCS. It's actually kind of like the 2019 World Series where the home team did not win a game. Mm. So all the so wins that the playing... Astros have gotten have been actually in Arlington and all the Rangers wins have actually happened here in Houston. So it's, oh. it's a it's – a, and obviously Astros have home field advantage, so they had the four games. Um, right. So game seven, yeah. Um <laughs> All in all, good series, man. Um, I will say, as someone that enjoys a good rivalry, um, you know, obviously, in order for it to be a rivalry, there's got to be a back and forth. Um, right. Edward can tell you that. Me and I were a part of one of the biggest rivalries in the world in Barcelona Real Madrid. Um, actually, fun fact, it's 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 like El Clasico weekend. So, yeah, one of the biggest rivalries in the sport. And obviously – it's not like Barcelona's going to win every game, and it's not like Real Madrid's going to win every game. That's hence why it's a rivalry. Um, so, uh, and, and like the Astros and Rangers, like everyone's been trying to say, is this a rivalry? And to be fair, for a long time, the Astros and Rangers have been in different leagues, so they've only played each other very few, very few times. And so then, when the Astros moved to the American League, which they now play in the same division with the Rangers, it was one of those things where when the Astros first came to the American League. They weren't good, and the Rangers were actually one of the big team, one of the top teams in baseball. Um, and then come 2017, the the shift happened. The Astros were now better than them, and obviously went on their very epic run of seven straight playoff appearances, seven straight 
American League Championship Series or better uh, streaks, which is on actually the longest active streak right now in the American League. Uh, so, look, I'm not I, I'm not here to tell you guys that I was expecting the Astros to make it to the World Series again. I thought it was very impressive that they went back they went back to the World Series last year and won it. So I wasn't expecting them to do it. Um, they, this has been a very overwhelming year as an Astros fan. Um, but hey, that despite despite the the struggle, they they were still able to make it back to the ALCS. Which, if you guys for a soccer uh, reference, the semifinal. So to play 162 games and to make it to the semifinal, finish in the final four, I still think that's pretty impressive. Uh, by all means, unless the Astros miraculously shit out seven home seven runs. Um, and win this game. I don't see this ha- cha- anything changing. So maybe we'll give you guys an update at the end of the episode. But so far, I think it's congratulations to the Texas Rangers for, for making their uh, return to the World Series since 2011. Don't so. give up. You said top of the seventh? No, it's top of the sixth. And as I say that, they hit a home run. So now it's 10 to 2. <laughs> oh, so. Wait, you said it was 8 to 2. And how the hell did they 10 to 2? They they just hit a they two had, run they home had run. A guy, they, they, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. what is going? Who's who's pitching? Who's pitching for Astros? Uh, so Christian Javier pitched like shit today, and um, yeah, it's been it's been it's been a rough game. Hmm. And of course, the Astros once again can't hit at home. So, jeez, uh, you would think like it'd be the opposite way where they can't hit. Yeah. It's it's been a rough year. It's been a rough year. Um, I'm really like I said. I'm really I'm more so impressed that despite how despite the struggles for the Astros, they were able to come out with another American League West division title, and and make it to the to the American League Championship Series or the semifinal. Uh, so that's just you know once again despite their their circumstances, they were able to still do that. Um, this whole playoff so far, the Astros have only won one home game, and that was against the Twins. So, and obviously you guys don't want to talk, you guys don't want to hear us talk about baseball. So, um, like I said, it, it really does look like congratulations to the Texas Rangers for making it to the World Series. At least I'm going to say that right now. And obviously once we get to the end of the episode, maybe I'll, maybe something changes. I, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe something changes. Um, <laughs> but we do have a big episode. Uh, we're going to give you guys some overreactions. Um uh, you know, obviously another week of soccer. Club soccer was back. Obviously, international break was over. Um, the MLS club play last week. We said we talked about division day, decision day. Decision day was amazing. A lot of great action that was going on there. So, um, obviously, to avoid just me talking about the MLS Cup playoffs, I have recruited Jose Tejas of Goals TV to come in and talk uh, MLS. Uh, we're also going to talk some other things about MLS, but specifically we're going to be talking about the wild card, which by the time this episode drops, the wild card games have already happened. And we'll talk about the new playoff structure, blah, 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 and all that good stuff. Um, Okay. But yeah. And so talk about MLS with, with Jose Tejas. Um, Obviously I just mentioned the international break passed uh, U.S. men's national team, another international break. So me and I were going to recap that international break, share our thoughts. Are we gloomy? Are we optimistic? That's what we're going to go ahead and tell you um, in that one. And then announce our players of the week, give you guys some matches to look forward to this coming weekend. 
There are some big matches. It's a, it's a big, two big rivalries are happening this weekend. So we're we're definitely going to let you know about that. And we're going to wrap this show up with something a little different. We, I decided to go into the depths of Reddit. And so I'm going to do a little reading for this episode um, just to try something different. If we like it, we might keep doing it, keep that in our rotation of closing segments or um, who knows, man. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, um well, to follow I just got a text. Your... <laughs> what? I got a text message from a, a old uh, colleague of mine from the Rock when I used to work at the Rockets, and it was uh-huh. my man Hector. You're the only baseball guy I know. Tell me what's going on with us, man. I think my response should be, "We suck. I, we suck at home this year." <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> bro, like yeah. that's that's really something. Like it's just it's crazy how you would think, oh, Minime. Astros got to going on, you know, they're, they're going to be good. And they're, they're, they're winning there. You know, nope, like, I mean, ahead. I'm, I'm Dude, saying a lot they of shit pulled about that, the Astros. Oh uh, yeah. No, keep going. No, I was going to say, Altuve pulled out that, that, uh, that, that miracle. Over Bro, there I, I'm going to say this right now. This is, I, I don't think it's a hot take, but I know there's going to be some people that disagree with me, especially people that don't rate baseball, but I'm going to say this. Jose Altuve is the greatest athlete in Houston sports history. I think he has surpassed the legendary legendary 34s, which obviously, if everybody knows, if you're from Houston, the number 34 is very iconic amongst Houston sports fans because of uh, Earl Campbell from the Houston Oilers, uh, Nolan Ryan, Astros legend, um, also, but retired as a Ranger. <laughs> so that kind of sucks. Um <laughs> And then, of course, the to me the 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 at before Altuve the the true Houston icon, which is two time NBA champion Hakeem Olajuwon for the Rockets, who also oh, yeah. won the thirty four and also played for U of H, so he he's got the whole legacy thing going for him. But obviously, I I will tell you right now, I believe Jose Altuve has surpassed Hakeem Olajuwon because I think I was going to say I was it was like, part of a I mean, freaking I'm... dynasty, man. Like the Astros are a oh, dynasty. Yeah. So seven years, we're talking about since 2017. I know the cheating scandal. Um, since 2017, bro, the Astros have made it to the semifinal, for, just to use the soccer lingo here, the semifinal or better, which means they made it to the final, they won the final, or they, they literally those are the three things that they were able to do in the past seven years was either make it to the semifinal, get in the final, or win the final for seven straight years. That is freaking difficult. Uh, that's like that is hard. That's like there's not even teams in the Champions League that can do that. You're mm-hmm. talking about like we, everyone's got money. Talking about Man City, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. So I, I like honestly, I, I understand everyone that hates the Astros for what they did in 2017, but I think it's clear, man, for what the the fact that they're doing this for seven years now, that I think maybe we, there's it's time to move on from 2017. I know I say this, and I know people aren't going to do it. For, we're always going to be known as the good-for-nothing cheaters, uh, blah, blah, blah. But, hey, they did get a legitimate ring, at least one legitimate ring to all the haters' eyes. Uh, but the, in my eyes, the Astros got two rings, especially because that tainted ring, it, I happened to own it. So, <laughs> <laughs> you were um, part of that crew. Yeah, I was I was there. I, I, I was literally there. <laughs> but, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, with, oh, yeah, so. Yeah, so that's why I told Kevin I was like we're we're just terrible on the road. But like also, you know, I know I know we want to. No, we're terrible at home. We're terrible at home, not yeah. on the road. I, I have no idea, man. 
it, it no, terrible at home and great on the road. Um, and I mean, I, baseball statistics are always going to be there. The team that there has never been a team that has been terrible at home to make it to the world series. And I mean, the Astros were terrible this season at home. Um, yeah, it, it was a rough season for the Astros, but like kind of, but once again, applaud them for making it this far. Um, I know that sounds like loser talk, um, uh, but also, I, I, you know, as much as we're going to give a lot of shit to the Astros, cause literally this was a, a horrendous performance, um, to play in a game, to do this in the game seven. But I mean, you got to give it to the Rangers, man. The Rangers have been, and I, and I, I've been tell, like, Edward can tell you I'm a baseball nerd and, um, he's a baseball nerd. The Rangers were so are I don't know why I say I keep saying were are so good this year, man. I was I was keeping an eye on the Rangers, man, because what they were able to do in the offseason, which was getting Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom, who to me is their best starting pitcher, he is out for the season. So they're doing they're doing what they're doing right now with despite that with despite losing their best pitcher. Um and they made it to their pop definitely gonna make it to the World Series. And they're also doing this despite having the worst bullpen in the one of the worst bullpens in the league. And so, like, they can't like that bullpen can't close games up. But the reason why the Rangers have been able to win is because they put up a lot of runs. Like these guys can hit. Like yeah. every, every that whole batting it's like, lineup. It's like it's it's like it's like they're all ringers. There there's not one that just like oh I'm gonna just go ahead and hit a small one. No, it's like especially they all hit. especially the the um which uh, Adoles Garcia, um, bro, whew, man, I when I saw this guy, when he got first called up with the Rangers, one, this dude was a St. Louis Cardinals reject. The Cardinals, like, he was in their, their farm system. The Cardinals were like, oh, this dude's trash. Get rid of him. And the Rangers were like, hey, man, come over. So they brought him in. Um, they actually <laughs> let him go because I guess they didn't think he was good enough. But then they, they noticed that he was still available. It's like, ah, fuck it, come back. Once he finally got called up with the Rangers, the dude has has been freaking phenomenal. Um, could be a hit or miss kind of guy, but when he when he's ma- he's smashing, he's smashing, bro. Uh, I know a lot of Astros fans are like mad at him for showboating. Which look, man, he hit a freaking skyrocket of a home run. Shoot, I don't blame him for pimping the hell out of that. Uh, it, it you know I would be doing the same thing too. But also, this is his first ALCS. And everyone's like, act like you've been... Dude, how do you tell someone act like you've been there when they literally have never been there? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that to me was a dumb... That's like if, if I scored a hat trick, do you not expect me to take my shirt off and scare everybody? Like... <laughs> like... I hate those people. I hate those people, man. Act like you've been there. They literally don't know. <laughs> it's like last year when everybody was giving shit to Arsenal for for dancing and celebrating wins. I was like, act like you literally all those guys have not been there. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's like or, or or I was about to bring a good example. I was like or like Bibu Martinez, you know? Oh man, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, dude's never been in the World Cup. And he ended up winning it. So, of course, he was going to go ahead and hump the glove, the golden glove. I, I need a, you know, if if we ever end up getting, like, our own studio where we have, like, our own office, that should be just, like, on our one of our walls. It's just a portrait of Emmy Martinez. It's like, going to be on your wall. I know for a fact it's going to be on your wall. I mean, I do. I love Emmy Martinez. So. <laughs> Divo. That. that should be like that Dexter's laboratory meme, the one when he's like at the locker of Albert Einstein, but it's like me looking at a picture of Emmy Martinez. Um, oh, man. Um, but uh, yeah, but anyways, obviously, once again, 
congratulations to the Texas Rangers for making it to the World Series. Uh, good luck against whoever they're playing against. The Phillies look nasty. The Arizona Diamondbacks look nasty. I have some investment right now in the Diamondbacks. Not that I bet, but uh, I started getting into card collecting, and I got a signed Corbin Carroll uh, rookie card. He's looking to be the uh, the NL rookie of the year. I think he's actually like going to be like six in the in the MVP race for the National League as well. He's not going to win an MVP. But if he can get the Diamondbacks to the World Series and he can get the Diamondbacks to win the World Series, I literally just have a card that's worth almost $1,000. So why wouldn't I want that? Uh, <laughs> but yeah. You know so, what they say, money talks, man. Money talks, money talks. Uh, but okay, where was I going with this? Um, yeah. So the closing, se- yeah, closing segments, man. So, um, yeah, we're gonna do a little something new. Um, we're gonna do like a reading from from the depths of Reddit, and uh, just to try it out. If we like it, we'll we'll keep it going. If we if we don't like it, then obviously we'll never speak of it. <laughs> we'll never speak of it again. Um, uh, but yeah, man. So, um, anything else to say? Astros are still it's it's now the top of the seventh so game's almost over so well we'll get we'll keep you guys posted i'm sure you really care about who wins this game (laughs) at this point i'm sure there's a lot of investment now uh but we'll go ahead and take a break and then we'll get going with our overreactions hey guys this is hector from the insert name fc podcast here to tell you guys about candidates it is a great tasting superior alternative to traditional dip using cbd in a way that is radical, enjoyable, and effective. It comes in five core flavors, wintergreen, mint, citrus, mango, and American spice. Candip CBD is the new evolution in dip, allowing guys to enjoy great, long-lasting taste without the downsides. If you guys want to go ahead and try them out, use the code BELLYUP20 at CandidateCBD.com. Once again, BELLYUP20 at CandidateCBD.com, and you'll get yourself 20% off your purchase. Thank you again for Candidips for being a great partner of Belly Up Sports. And we're back. All right. Overreactions. Edward, do you have an overreaction from this past weekend? Um, what did I do this weekend? I worked. Uh, I mean, it has to be about football. But... I don't know. I was like, I was like, um, if you want, I can go first Ken. until you figure it figure out what you want go to go first go first go first all right i am going to say that decision day was all and everything that uh i think probably was one of the best decision days in and i mean i might be a little biased but it was a really great decision day um i think uh there's a lot of teams that are going into really hot form there's a lot of teams that uh really made some big shocks um but uh yeah, I, I think that overall decision day was a lot of fun. Uh every, I, I honestly like the best part of having Apple TV, aside from having MLS 360, which by the way, amazing, amazing feature that Apple TV uh did for MLS, which is basically like if you guys don't know, Red Zone, uh NFL Red Zone, which is like it's someone that like it's just kind of like you know, obviously analysts talking and then they'll show like clips of each game. So you get the highlights. Of the as the games go on, so if you just want to watch all the games, all you know, and just get like little snippets of it, you could do that. And also, the other feature is obviously you can play back games from before, so you can rewatch a game. If you didn't catch it, you can just rewatch it at a different at another day. Um, but yeah, it, the fact that like obviously with decision day, everyone's trying to keep up, see who's going to go to the playoffs, who's not going to go to the playoffs, 
who gets home field advantage, who doesn't get home field advantage. So uh, I think first year, just overall, man, first year for uh, MLS with the uh, Apple TV partnership. Apple TV just knocked it out of the park, man. I think uh, I think the the best. I think not only was the fact that they did such a great in production, but I want a little bit more. I want to see them do like uh, some other behind the scenes stuff with like all the MLS teams. Maybe they'll do that one day. Um, obviously they 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 they're dropping that that messy documentary on Apple TV as well. I'm sure everybody's no, for real. Yeah, so there's gonna be an, a messy documentary. Basically, I, I think it's messy in America. Maybe they oh, need okay. a. Maybe they need to retitle that. Um, but it's only going to be like maybe two, three episodes long because I mean, probably, he hasn't been here that long. Probably, but like I, I think aside from that, I think MLS just was able. MLS and Apple TV really d- just was able to do really well. Obviously, the addition to having Messi boosted them even more so. But uh, aside yeah. from that, man, like I think overall this was probably like a good thing for MLS and Apple TV. I think if you're, if you're a, a league in another league, like I, I wouldn't be su- surprised if Apple TV tries to get a deal with MLB, uh, NFL, NBA. Cause the, if they're able to do this with MLS and, and getting so much viewership mainly because of Messi, but I, I, who's to say what they could do with, with ML, with the MLB, with, with the NFL, because I mean, the fact that you have all the live sports in in this one application, and then on top of that, you you remove the blackouts. Which, if you guys don't know what the what blackouts are, blackouts is basically, for instance, if I bought MLB TV and I got it because I want to watch the Astros and I'm too cheap for cable, um, I still wouldn't be able to watch the Astros games because technically I'm in Houston, so they would. They would say, "Oh, you already there's already a channel to watch the Houston Astros, so watch it there." And it's like, mm-hmm. you, and you, I trust me, this was a this is probably the few times that I got angry at a phone conversation because I was talking to MLB. I was like, "So why are you guys tell me I can watch Astros games if I really can't watch Astros games?" And so that was a that was a whole debauchery there. But essentially, Apple TV removed that because obviously they have all the rights to all the games, so. Right. There isn't a Houston specific broadcast. There's not a FC Dallas specific broadcast because they do the entire broadcast. They have their own broadcast teams, their own analytics team. So it's it's different, and I think it's a it's really cool. And I I wouldn't not only would I say Apple TV, I wouldn't be surprised if the other streaming services jump in on this. Like, don't be surprised if Amazon tries to get their own deal. Don't be surprised if uh, YouTube TV gets their own. I mean, YouTube TV is the ones I do. I think they're running Red Zone now. Um, but yeah, don't be surprised because I think that's going to be the new, you know, kind of like how the shift was once from pl- pl- uh, public public TV and then it went to cable, right? Yeah. Like, don't be surprised if like maybe individual teams try to jump in on streaming services. I'm just saying, don't be surprised. I think that's for the, that's going to be the new direction going when it comes to, to sports watching. I mean, look mm-hmm. at it right now with like ESPN Plus and you know watching La Liga and watching uh, like the English Championship and the FA Cup. Like, you can only watch it through that, right? Um, yeah. Shoot, one of the reasons why I got rid of cable was because I couldn't watch I couldn't watch La Liga and, and BN Sports because they took out BN Sports and now BN, I don't now I don't have no reason to have BN Sports <laughs> besides watching League yeah. One. 
and yeah, I'm sure I'm I'm really on top of watching Lee Gun. <laughs> so but yeah, I think that this is just the start of MLS. Like it's going. I I honestly I know that I'm being um, I might be dumb for believing that because we saw what happened when David Beckham left, but I don't know. I feel like something's a little bit different this time. I think the production value being better. I think the league quality has definitely gotten a lot better. And now you throw in the best player in the world. Don't don't you start Edward. Uh, <laughs> I I honestly think that MLS is going to get better. I think this is just the start. This is just the beginning, and and um. And of course, you know the new edition, San Diego FC. Uh, I wonder where you got that from, MLS. <laughs> the new team um, in San Diego, San Diego FC. Just gonna point that out. Anyways, but that that's my overreaction. Like I said, I I feel like maybe not too much of an overreaction, but I think maybe if you're like someone that doesn't like MLS, probably you guys think it's I'm ridiculous for saying that, but. Um, but Edward, have you have you have you stumbled upon an overreaction? Um, yeah, actually, I have. And I mean, you may not like it. Um, so my overreaction is Chelsea over the weekend. Um, they basically had the two zero two no lead against Arsenal. And they somehow blew it, which I'm not trying to talk down on Arsenal at all. They had a lot of opportunities at the very beginning, but Chelsea uh, made them happen, you know. And I honestly thought Chelsea was going to win. Like, I I legit was like, okay, I was like, the way the game's going, Chelsea's going to win. And then Arsenal with Declan Rice, like, goalie gave away that freaking – that 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 shot basically and Declan Rice being Declan Rice basically made it in. He was like, I got this and then shit, sure enough, he did. So I can't be mad at that because it was a hell of a good shot. And I mean it is just just little stuff like that where I'm like that was a, that was just over exaggerated over exaggerated where I was like oh damn he shot it all the way from out there at first I was like okay he's curling it it's going out didn't go out went right in and that's all I was like damn I was like so that was to me that was my overreaction because I actually did think Chelsea was gonna win like when I saw the lineups to begin. I Wait, was like, okay, from seeing okay. the lineups, you thought that the lineup from Chelsea was better than the Arsenal lineup? I thought Chelsea was going to win. Like, I did. Not not by a big margin. I honestly thought the score was going to be 1-1. One, one, or 1-0, sorry. Because um, I, I, just, I just thought, like I said, I thought that Chelsea had the better uh, defense. But I was wrong. And then, plus, I think... Uh, Cucurello was coming back, so then that actually made me feel like maybe I was wrong. <laughs> so that's yeah. why I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, I was like, Cucurello's back. Mm. I was like, he's he's highly sought after, you know, like people want him. It's just Chelsea basically has him and they value him very highly. So I figured, I was like, okay, maybe he's going to show what he can do. But sad to say, it was not what you expected at all. 
And uh, I was like I said, I, when I when I thought it was two zero, I was like, okay, Chelsea's got this. I was like, there's no there's no way they're gonna blow that lead, especially like because it was late when that first goal came out. It was late. It was like what sixty something minute, and I was like, okay, I was like, they they, they got this. I was like, it's just one goal. No, 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 nothing. Then yeah. It, it became basically like they they Arsenal rescued that one point. So I was like, damn. I was like, all right. I was like, I guess they really want it. They wanted to win. It's just sad to say that they couldn't come out with it. Um, but yeah. So like I said, my over exaggeration was Chelsea was gonna win. Okay. That was my over exaggeration. Um, I think. I don't know, man. I feel like at least because I mean I was watching. Obviously, I was like watching because at the same time when the Chelsea Arsenal game came on obviously Real Madrid and Sevilla came on so um priorities um but yeah like I don't know I mean ironically enough both ended to be draws um but from what I was watching because like uh, the first goal obviously was a penalty for Mod- that Modric scored uh the second goal I don't think I really <laughs> caught that one but like after that like Chelsea just really I don't I feel like they at that point they were playing not to lose instead of playing to win. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Yeah, they were just playing it. Like they were uh, just... I guess you could say they're not not parking the bus, but they were they were playing to make sure that they were actually going to end up ahead of Arsenal. Like once they got the two goals in, it's like they kind of stopped attacking a lot more. Yeah, because I, um, I, I think, like, if there's one thing with Arsenal, you cannot, like, rest on your laurels. And also, 2-0 is probably, like, one of the worst leads in, in all football because, like, like I said, you some teams do, like, rest on that laurel. Like, oh, okay, we're, you know, we're up 2-0. Uh, especially when you're up early because those two goals yeah. came in very early in the game and, like, there's still plenty of game and you're still talking about Arsenal, a very dynamic attack that they have up there. I mean... It probably wasn't the best day for like the guys that you usually expect from them. Um, obviously Declan came up big for Arsenal and and Trossard, another another big goal from him. Uh, you know, coming from that guy. Uh, but yeah, I think I think for me, I think I felt like at that point Chelsea was just playing to not lose instead of going for the win. And honestly, it, that uh, beating Arsenal for for Chelsea that would have been such a huge boost of confidence for oh, them. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, we all know the the issues for 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 Chelsea this year, but uh, but yeah, I feel like they they missed out on a prime opportunity to like get some confidence back, not only in themselves but also for the fan base. Uh, speaking of terrible confidence, that that ends that inning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah, it's I think I think that's just was the case of it, but. Uh, I mean, once again, pro- kind of one of those games where you just got to give props to Arsenal, uh, for for staying in it, uh, not yeah, because they when, didn't give up, they not giving give up, up when you're I down two nil. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna to lie, be honest, bro. I, I think, I, yeah, go I, ahead. To me, like, I, I'm not saying that uh, Ramsdale would have stopped the penalty because once again, penalties are like it, it can go either way. <laughs> like in my eyes, like I don't I, like. Like once again, I don't know how you become a specialist at penalties. You, I think honestly, you just become a good guesser. Like that's really there's like that's like saying I'm great at paper rock scissors. 
Like, I mean, like, it's not really like, it's just being able to out mentally. It's like a more of a mental game. Can you fluster somebody in a penalty um, more so than anything else? Like, can you make the moment bigger than what it really is? Which I, I think Emmy Martinez is one, one of the guys that are really good at that. But even then, he still gets scored on um, in penalties. So, like, once again, I don't really know what a penalty specialist is because, I mean, I've seen more people score on penalties than, than not. Um, but I'm not, and this isn't me trying to take shots on David Raya. I think this is just because I'm more, I'm, I'm still on the Aaron Ramsdale train. Like I still like Aaron Ramsdale. Mm. Like I'm still trying to figure out why we brought David Raya. Um, I see, I, I know what, what he's good at. I know that David Raya is good. I'm not saying that he's bad or by any means, but it was just confusing to me when you already have a, your number one goalkeeper and you go in and bring in another goalkeeper that I would argue should be a number one goalkeeper as well. And I don't even think just somewhere else. Yeah. Like, I mean, to me, like even Aaron Ramsdale, like, I mean, yeah, he, he has his moments. He can kind of be a wild card, but I kind of like that about him. You know, like I like the edginess of Aaron Ramsdale. Like, I don't think Arsenal, you know, losing out last year was his fault. It was more so injuries. You lost your best defender in, in, in William Saliba. But, like, and so I'm still, like, Aaron Ramsdale. I'm still team Aaron Ramsdale. I think the goals that were scored on David Raya, like, is not necessarily all on him. Like, once again, a penalty. You either – they either make it or they don't with penalties. Either you guess the right side or you don't. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I'm not – I don't really think that there's like a real skill factor into that one. Like that doesn't, I won't judge a goalkeeper for letting a penalty in. If anything, I get more pumped when I see a a, pen, a, a penalty being stopped because it's like so rare that it happens. But, um, and then the other goal, I don't think that that was like necessarily all on him. But like I said, man, you know, after that, there was really no, no other mistakes that happened for, for Arsenal. So, I mean, once again, David Raya, I think he's a top goalkeeper. It just sucks that because like I think this is kind of like the end of Aaron Ramsdale at Arsenal. I think he's leaving by Jan. I think he's leaving in January. Like um, because I mean I, I there's rumors that other clubs are interested in him. So, I mean if he's not playing for Arsenal, we're you know what what is there for him to do? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Which once again sucks for me because I really like I said I really like Aaron Ramsdale, but I also like David Raya. I think both of them are good. I, I just I just I just like the Brit. <laughs> <laughs> you you I, I think I think you like the Brit because it's a Brit club. You know what I mean? But he also but Aaron Renzo has proven himself before that he he is capable. It's just like you said, uh y'all actually had uh the key defender who was out uh due to injury and then they're expecting basically Aaron Ramsdale, even if they get through the defense, they're expecting Aaron Ramsdale to be basically a wall, which is pretty hard to do in the EPL. Oh, the Astros the Astros are now down 10 to 3. Progress. <laughs> hey man, hey man, it, it it's possible. It's just <sighs> That means they basically every basically as as long as seven of their players get to hit like a home run, single runs. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's possible. Uh, never mind. It is now eleven to three, so <laughs> leads back up. Jesus. <laughs> and of course, they are, it's, uh, of course, it's Ardolas Garcia. <laughs> they are just destroying them. 
Who's pitching right now? Who's closing? Uh, Orkidi's pitching right now. Still? Yeah, I mean, at this point, you're you're just trying to get through. You're just trying to get by. You're not. This game is this game's definitely over. There's like, bro, there is so many empty seats now. Yeah, Rangers are going to the World Series. I mean, they. I've been saying they're going to the World Series. It's just. <laughs> Yeah. Now that extra run solidifies it. Uh, no, I mean they they they're going to the World Series. It's just it's just deflating. It's just deflating. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. So right. back back to back, back to our conversation at hand. That was my overreaction. Yeah. All right. Um. But yeah. So that's overreactions. Like I said. Um. We're going to go ahead and move on to our MLS Cup preview with Jose Tejas of Goals TV. Uh, we're going to talk about we're actually going to we're actually going to talk a little bit about San Diego FC. So we'll we'll tell you guys about the newest edition and overall also explain to you guys the the new MLS Cup playoffs format. So we'll also be doing that as well, just so you guys know what's what the hell's going on. Um, and then, yeah, so we'll we'll go ahead and. Switch over right now. All right, man. MLS Cup preview. It is finally here after an amazing decision day. We're finally able to talk MLS Cup. And joining me is actually part sponsoring this segment, which is Gold TV. Gold TV is the Hulu of soccer content, man. If if you guys are struggling finding the soccer content that you need, whether you're like international or maybe a specific MLS team or just MLS in general, or you want to see what the fuck these Americans think about the, the game of footy or soccer or whatever the fuck everybody calls it. Goal TV is your one-stop destination. And with me, of course, is the man responsible for this amazing uh, application, website, whatever the hell you want to call it, is non-mastermind Jose Tejas. Hey, Hector, I appreciate it, man. This is uh, I'm glad we're talking playoffs. It's, it's honestly one of my favorite times of the year. Um, appreciate the goals TV shout out too, man. A lot of exciting stuff coming to the platform. Um, our first pro league coming to the platform very, very soon. I'll tease that a little bit more later, but, um, but yeah, man, we're talking playoffs today. It's my favorite time of the year. It's just better that Dallas was able to make it work on the final day of the season. Gave me not a heart attack, but close to it, man. So I look, I'm, I'm excited as a fan. I'm locked in for the wild card matchups this week, the round one coming this weekend, man, there's a lot of action coming. Man. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Kind of go back to decision day. So my overreaction for this uh, for this episode is actually I thought that this was the best decision day ever. Um, I could be a oh, little yeah. bit biased by it, but this was. I think I felt like there was a moment where just there was a big majority of teams that had something to play for going into decision day, and I think, I think, and also props to Apple TV, man. They they knocked it out of their out of the park this year. Uh, unfortunately, the Astros didn't. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not sad about the loss. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so decision day, uh, awesome, awesome thing for. I, I found it amazing. It, like I said, it was my overreaction. But if you were to sum up decision day for you, what, what would you rank it? Um, man, and there there have been some decent ones, right? Uh, last year was kind of lukewarm. Um, I, I really felt like we haven't. 2021 was pretty epic too. I feel like we haven't had a decision day where there was so much movement in at least three or four seasons as we did this, this this year. This year, I don't think it's an overreaction at all. Hector, I think we how many teams actually moved within the the standings on that day, right? 
when you saw Houston beating Portland, when we saw Kansas City taking it to Minnesota, and at least in the West, right, where there was the biggest opportunity for movement, Dallas doing what they do against a very, very bottom of the barrel, you know, LA Galaxy side. Um, all of those things, man, combining Chicago not being able to get it done, Red Bull somehow figuring it out late with the penalty against Nashville. There's, you know, Charlotte after that disappointing draw against Miami midweek, you know, coming back and figuring out a way to make it work, you know, against them again. Man, there was just so much to keep up with. It all it honestly felt like I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to tune into, right? We kind of had two major blocks of games. Thankfully, Apple TV kind of has that quad screen feature that you can use. I was all over that, man, and it was it was crazy. Um, I had some bold predictions that didn't work out. Um, you know, my Chicago Fire prediction didn't work out. <laughs> Um, but the FC Dallas one did. That's the only one that matters, man. So, um, so yeah, bro, it was this was definitely one of the better decision days in recent seasons for sure. Yeah, shout out to MLS 360, man. Definitely came in clutch for decision day. Um, before Hell we yeah. get to the playoffs, man, I, I just gotta say San Diego FC, uh, another insert name FC coming into the MLS. What, what's your thoughts on it? Um, it was obviously it a was sad, bro. Speaking of uh, obviously USL San Diego, the USL affiliate, uh, uh, San Diego loyal, unfortunately. Yeah, their season. Yeah, it was. Uh, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about San Diego FC really quick. Um, I don't know how anybody else feels about that badge. Um, I think it's kind of crazy that um, it, it got so unanimous, unanimously shit on. Um, I think it's really just the color scheme. I think if they, they had gone something a little more California or San Diego esque, it probably would have been just easier to take for a lot of the fans. Um, but you know, with that said, it's just kind of cool to see a new franchise ramping up, and I'm sure there's going to be more things that we pick apart from their perspective. But with the loyal man in the USL, it it was sad, man. I mean, like the goal from Formella for for the Phoenix Rising was, I mean, it was I was watching it an extra time. I was thinking, dude's gonna go to penalty kicks. Loyal fans are gonna go crazy if they win it. And that little just dink to the back corner um, of the net, it, it you just felt the stadium die all at mm-hmm. once, right? Like everyone just collectively fell, and it was. It felt like I was, I mean, I think the best way to put it was what I saw Hercules Gomez say on Twitter right afterward. He was like, it felt like I was watching an episode of Breaking Bad towards the end of the series, right? Where you just, you kind of felt bad for a lot of the characters involved. That's kind of how this felt. It was just like, you want to cheer for them. They were also a three seed versus a six seed. So you kind of expected them to move on. Fantastic game being four, three and went to extra time. And I think a lot of us just were just pulling for the loyal with, you know, with them, this being their last season, right? So not the way that you want to go out as a as a club, um, but at the same time, I tip my hat to that whole organization. Uh, you know, hopefully San Diego FC can give off you know similar vibes once they're up and running. Yeah, exactly, man. So, so yeah, there is that San Diego FC though. We'll see what happens there. But so far, it's just <laughs> funny that like the inspiration of this podcast was literally making fun of the ML, these MLS team names, and uh, and it, it just keeps going, man. You couldn't do a, the most a, basic a, shit in the world. Yeah, you couldn't do a United. You couldn't <laughs> <laughs> just something, bro. Give us something else that's a little bit different. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, I, I guess had it been FC San Diego, you think anybody else would have been? I don't know. Would that have helped at all? Probably not. It's like different, but not really. Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, but uh, uh. Obviously, this is going to be kind of moving on from the playoffs, but leading goal scorer for the season was uh, Dennis Boanga from LAFC with 20 goals. Uh, the leading assist person was Thiago Almada with 16 assists for Atlanta United. And the clean sheet leader was Stefan Fry uh, from Seattle with 14 clean sheets. 
Um, I don't know. I'm, obviously, they're not going to announce MVP just yet, but I would imagine yeah. the the three names that are going to come up is uh, Dennis Boanga, Luciano Acosta, and, and Thiago Amada. All of them combining for 27 goal contributions uh, this season. I personally would go for Acosta. I mean, what they did in Cincinnati was was unbelievable, but um, I think any of these three could definitely – it'd be hilarious for Amada just because he won the World Cup. Well, I guess not hilarious, but awesome for him. Just won the World Cup and then – Atlanta yeah. United, which everybody was really uncertain going into the season. And, you know, this dude has come up pretty clutch for them this year. Yeah, he has, bro. And look, I, I think Almada is a big one for me because um, of the assists, right? Like, we, we, bro, it's it's so easy for us to just pick the top goal scorer and be like, hey, that's also our MVP. Fuck it, right? Like, that it's just easy. Let's give it to him. Um, I think Bowanga, for me, it's kind of like the, um, I don't know, man. It's like, with how many opportunities he took, you know, even away from his own teammates at LAFC, I would say I almost expected him to be top goal scorer. I sort of remember, you know, I, I don't remember how, how many weeks ago it was. It might have been towards the end of League's Cup, or maybe I think it was the, the Campeones Cup against Tigres. I, I think there was the moment where he was taking on uh, two center backs, the only two in the back line on a, on a break, and he had Vela wide open to his right. And I remember him just bypassing that option and taking it himself and uh, didn't score. It got kind of close, right? But I, it, it, to me, it summarized who Denny Bowanga really is, which is like he wants to be that guy. He wants to be the Kobe on his team, right? Take all of those opportunities and maximize them the best that he can. So for me, it kind of makes sense that he is the top goal scorer. But considering how up and down LAFC really were, I think the more consistent team was Cincinnati. I think I, I agree with you. I think Lucho Acosta has to be, in my opinion, the guy that we look to for the MVP, considering that three seasons ago, Cincinnati weren't anywhere near where they are today. In this short amount of time, without building their team around these global superstars, look at where they are now, right? Supporter Shield winners, they have that home field advantage in the playoffs. I'm expecting them to go very, very deep. If not MLS Cup final, then at least the conference finals. Um, I think Lucho Costa will lead the way. So for me, he was a surprise this season in the best way possible i think he has to take home mvp but it is close i think for those who are looking at bawanga be like you can't ignore his goals you're right you can't ignore them but maybe this is a hot take man i don't know how you feel about this personally i believe i think bawanga is slightly overrated in my opinion i think in mls he looks really good right uh, and this i'm not dragging mls by any means right but against certain defenses in this league he looks really good but i have also seen him look very mid i've seen him miss very easy opportunities like i said it's a law of averages you take enough shots or take enough goal scoring opportunities yourself and you have the quality you're going to bag those goals right as someone who's who's come from europe and has that pedigree he will bag those goals um but i i don't know man i i again i, I almost expected more from him especially considering how quickly he started the season you know uh the the, the concap champions league might have thrown some things off leagues cut might have thrown some things off for him I was just expecting, I guess, something a little bit more, right? And maybe MLS will one day reach the heights of other leagues where they're breaking 20-plus goals in the season to take home the, the golden boot. Uh, but I don't know, man. I think Luchai Costa surprised a lot of people in a very positive way and didn't need that crazy star-studded lineup of LAFC to to be what I feel is the right um, MVP for this year. So we'll see. I don't, I don't know if, if if anybody hard disagrees with me on the Boanga front. I think he's good. But for how much hype he actually gets, to me, he's kind of overrated. No, I can see that. I uh, I think for MVP, 
Um, which I mean, I feel like there's other leagues that don't necessarily do this right when MVP. I think they've mistaken it for best player when it's we're talking about valuable player who brings the most impact to the team. And I mean, yeah, it, maybe I'm biased because Acosta was the is the captain for Cincinnati, but I mean, 17 goals and 10 assists. That's that's really impact. That's impact right there. That's as impactful as it gets, man. Yep. Not only can he score, but he can also dish it out. Um, and then I like I said, I wouldn't be mad if Thiago Almada wins it because I mean he was very uh, it, I mean, literally valuable. Very. Imp- I don't. I don't think without Amala, I don't know if Atlanta would be having the success that they would have, uh, this season. Agreed. So, but I think Acosta definitely he gets it for me. Um. All right, man. So this season's MLS playoff format, which Jesus Christ, how many variations are we gonna have? Um. So we it's, finally it's get rough, it right. Bro. That's rough. <laughs> uh. But the first round is the wall card round, which would be a a single elimination game between the eighth and ninth seed of each conference. There is, there is penalties immediately after a draw, so there will be no extra time. It is decided right then and there on penalties, and obviously the winner would then go play against the first seed in the first round. Uh, first round is this is where things get a little little weird. Um, is a best of three series, so we're gonna the higher seed would obviously have home field where it would be home away home, no draws, no aggregate. Once again, also penalties immediately after the draws. So that is the first round. That's going to be the only thing that's kind of different to everybody. Uh, and then the conference semifinals from there on out is obviously higher seed gets home field, single elimination game, extra time after a draw, and then back into penalties if needed. And that basically sums up the playoffs this year. The only thing that's different is this round one. And we'll definitely uh, talk about that when we get to, to when we talk about the first round, because I feel like that does change some things. Um, but wildcard, man, Eastern Conference, eighth place. New York Red Bulls dramatic finish to get into the playoffs and then talk about another dramatic finish to get into the playoffs in ninth place Charlotte FC making their playoff debut if you feel like the wildcard round counts as playoffs but I think this is <laughs> going to be a fun matchup um yeah. I don't think I don't I think everyone's going to be really I think as an unbiased fan this is going to be a really fun very grinded out type of game um but when it comes to that who I mean obviously Red Bull Red Bull gets the home field advantage for this one do you see New York being able to move on to the next round? I think so. And I look, I, I know Red Bulls just, you know, historically haven't had like a ton. They have this crazy 14 season record, right, of making it to the playoffs and being that team. Um, and I kind of, in some ways, we, you know, S Dallas doesn't have the same record, but, you know, me being a Dallas fan, I, I kind of at times compare them to, 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 to someone like the Red Bulls in the sense that we're consistent with making playoffs, but the runs in playoffs that second season, right, aren't always there with that said i still think that this charlotte team doesn't have a playoff history they barely snuck in and that's because there is a ninth seed in this new playoff format for mls which i don't want to dig into the whole new format it, it feels like someone was drunk when they came up with it I, I i don't really know right but at the end of the day um i think that that's the only reason they're realistically in and, and don't get me wrong red bulls cut it close on decision day and but charlotte needed to play the same opponent twice to close out the season and and granted that opponent right without Messi is bottom two in the league and so I think that you know that has to be taken into account when you think about things like predictions um but with that said Red Bulls are not a high scoring team so you mentioned before right this is going to be a game where I think you have to kind of grind it out over the course of 90 minutes I think this can also be one that we really the first game of this broader playoff season that we see enter penalty kicks um 
I don't know, man. It's going to be very close. I do have Red Bulls edging it out. Like, if I had to put a score on it, I would say it's like 2-1. I, I could see Red Bulls, um, you know, conceding a goal against the Charlotte team because Charlotte will be amped and ready to go, especially coming off of, you know, their first big decision day victory. But I still think that experience counts for a lot at this part of the season, like any other sport. And, I, you know, the home field advantage will be key. I know that sometimes in Jersey, they don't, they don't get a lot of credit for having massive turnouts to these Red Bull matches, but it's playoffs. There should be more incentive for fans to show up and it's not, you know, there's not going to be a ton of that support for Charlotte fans. So, so yeah, I, I had Red Bulls going through, but I think a lot of fans probably agree with me. No, yeah, I agree with that. I think an experience here is going to come into a factor and that's what Charlotte FC does not have a lot of. So I, I'm also with New York Red Bulls on this one. I would honestly say if, if I'm FC Cincinnati right now, I would want Charlotte. I don't think it happens, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. And then the Western Conference, Sporting Kansas City. Uh, also, once again, late drama going into the decision day, but Sporting Kansas City gets in that eighth place spot, and they're taking on a ninth place San Jose Earthquakes team, who I deem is frisky. Um, so yeah, so uh, I think with this one, I unfortunately I'm going with experience here, and, and Sporting Kansas City, they know what they need to do in the playoffs. Um, I think they're that kind of team that they just need to be in it to to get to get going. Um, so I'm actually yeah. I actually think Sporting Kansas City can is going to handle San Jose pretty easily, especially going into that hostile environment in, in Kansas City. Yeah, seriously, and that you know I I agree with you mainly for that last point. I think Kansas City fans are built different. I think the Midwest is built different when it comes to soccer in this country. Um, I think it will be tough for San Jose to to go you know on the road and try to get a result. But this to me is the juicier of the two matchups. I think that there's there's like one there's a strong opportunity for this game to be a lot more open i think that this could be like a 2-2 or a 3-2 right because as of late kansas city has been scoring goals if Bolido continues the format that he's been on of as of late you know not only is he really going to earn him and, and that team a spot in the, the round one but i think he may all start also start warranting some looks from less election right from the national team um but putting that aside I, I think, yeah, over over the course of the entire season, you can argue San Jose maybe has had a more consistent and better year, but that's because Sporting Kansas City started absolutely dreadful, right? They had 10, what was it, 10 winless weeks before they ever start, started really, really kind of seeing some traction. We were talking about Peter Vermees getting sacked, and now we're at a point where we, we really realistically think that these forwards are, especially, you know, whether it's Johnny Russell, whether it's, you know, Daniel Shaloy helping Pulido out, whatever it may be, they just feel like they're more lethal. And then you 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 layer on the home field advantage that they're going to have, and it really will be a true advantage. I don't know, man. I think it's it's tough for a San Jose team that I that for me over the last couple of months has been like a tale of two halves. You know, I know when when Dallas played them a couple a few weeks ago, it felt like they came out very strong in the first half and then the momentum just kind of died and Dallas started really kind of dominating in the second half and opening the game up. I think we're going to see that. I, I think Luchi Gonzalez's side is still kind of young. Uh, they have some playmakers. Don't get me wrong, but I, I expect sporting Kansas city to go through. That's just my prediction. I could see a, a, a decently high scoring game, you know, a three, two, something along those lines, but or even like a three, one, I think that sporting Kansas city should walk away with this one and make it really interesting. That's this match, but I want, I want to see sporting Kansas city against St. Louis. I have to see it. I want to see the Midwest rivalry, which, which fan base is better, right? The best of three, that one's going to be juicy. Yeah, I agree with that one. I, I think obviously if you're St. Louis SE, 
actually, I think if you're St. Louis, you do want Kansas City just specifically because of the rivalry, though, if yeah. they want an easier route. Because we're talking about two teams that have literally never been in this kind of position. Literally, if St. Louis has never been here. But for FC Cincinnati, this is like the this is new being the first seed in their in their conference. Obviously, they would kind of want the easier opponent in San Jose. But I think when you throw in the Missouri rivalry, that just makes yeah. things even juicier for St. Louis fans. Um, but obviously, uh, round one, uh, Eastern Conference, obviously the winners of the wild cards would either take on FC Cincinnati or St. Louis SC since they are the the, the first seeds in both conferences. But going kind of sticking with the uh, the Eastern Conference, I don't know why I can't say words today. Um, <laughs> we have third place Columbus Crew taking on sixth place Atlanta United, fourth place Philadelphia Union taking on fifth place New England. Re- well, I can't type either. Uh, Revolution um, and second place Orlando City SC versus seventh place Nashville SC. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know this is where we're gonna start talking about the the round you know of how unique round one is. Yeah. Who, who benefits right now from having this three game series uh in the first round? It kind of depends, man. I mean, if I had to look at it like almost matchup by matchup, like normally I'm inclined, no matter what, right? I think most of us as fans are inclined to say the higher seed. The home whoever has the home field advantage across these uh matchups across these three games is is typically gonna be the one that I favor and should go through. Um, but this is a weird, weird year, you know, a, a year in the West where you know, second and eighth place were separated by like five or six points. Um, the East was a lot, you know, uh, it was settled a lot quicker and you you kind of had those teams at the top. It's very top heavy, right? That, that just dominated and solidified their their positions very early. Um, but I still think that this is this is going to be a season and, a, and, a, and, and of course it's happening in a year where we have a brand new playoff format. And that's why MLS is, is I think by the end of it, going to feel like this is the way to go. Um, but there's going to be a lot of upsets, I feel. Um I was originally coming in here inclined to say that I felt like if we looked at, for example, the Columbus Atlanta matchup in the East, I was going to feel like Atlanta had some momentum going into this. I know how good the Columbus crew are. Don't get me wrong. I know how many experienced star studded players they have on that roster, especially uh, after the moves they made in the summer. But I just, I felt like if Almada and Nakomakis were firing on all cylinders heading into playoffs, it was going to be very hard to stop their ability to counter you, right? Mm-hmm. But with Almada now missing a game in that best of three, it changes things dramatically. I think because of that, Columbus goes through. Uh, um, you know, it's it's going to be hard, I think, without your, your your best playmaker on the pitch to keep up with that midfield, to, to keep up with the scoring rate of guys like Cucho Hernandez. Um, there's going to be a lot, right? There's just, you know, you know Gressel, everybody else, right? There's going to be a lot to keep up with if you're – an Atlanta United fan or player. Um, but with that said, Philly, New England, I know New England's struggling after the whole post-Bruce Arena scandal stuff, but Philly's defense hasn't been as much of a lock as it has been in recent seasons. So there's there's some openings there that we can really talk about. And I think, I mean, Orlando, Nashville, straightforward to me. I think Orlando, I, I think after what I saw between Nashville and, and the Red Bulls in, on decision day, and kind of this feeling that Mokhtar has to carry this Nashville team, Orlando to me is is Pareja's got them moving right. They're mm-hmm. moving mad right now. I think that right now, I didn't see Orlando finishing as a second seed. I can see them making light work and and not even getting to the third game, right? So in the East, there's there's so much. The storylines vary greatly, and there's so much to appreciate, even if you're not a fan of any one of these you know Eastern Conference teams. No, I agree. I think 
I will. I'm. I'm gonna just straight up say like the who really benefits from these three game series is actually the first seeds. Once again, we're talking about inexperience, and I mean, if it was a one off game, you know, especially if you're talking about potentially facing New York, potentially facing Sporting Kansas City, that you know, the lack of experience is going to be a factor going into those games. And I mean, say they have a a bad first game, now they have time to re- the jitters comes off, and now they can go back to being who they are, which is the first, those, those first E teams. So, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to straight up just say, I think, I don't really think it benefits anybody else except for the new first E teams because they've never been here before. Um, and now they get a chance to make their adjustment after, after getting that punch in the, that punch in the mouth. Um, but yeah, I think Eastern conference, it, every single one is going to be get your popcorn ready because I think they're all going to yep. be great matches. And I think what adds with that third, with that three game series is that Philadelphia, Union, like you said, has, has not, hasn't been necessarily that Philadelphia union backline that we're used to seeing, but one bad game against revolution, maybe they make their adjustments. They're going to see them again. They're going to see the same thing over again. Um, I'm yep. sure a little tweaks to it, but now they have their time to adjust, especially, you know, everyone, everyone feels very highly of the management over at Philadelphia. Um, but Eastern conference. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one. Looking at the Western Conference, we got LAFC taking on Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, Houston Dynamo, thank God, are taking on taking <laughs> on a a great. Uh, I honestly say, if there was like a dream matchup for the Dynamo going into the in, the, in their return in the playoffs, of, let it be Real Salt Lake. Like, just let it be Real Salt Lake. I mean, <laughs> they they've been they've been our confidence boost for for quite some time now this this year. Um, so I'm I mean, I mean. I mean, bro, like, 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 it's one of those things, right? Where I think in the West, there's there's one straightforward matchup. Talking about Houston Real Salt Lake, I do think Houston makes lot. and I say it's it, it. I don't want Real Salt Lake fans to get you know pissy about this, right? But it's it's not so much a reflection of of Real Salt Lake. RSL, pretty decent side, had that crazy run in the middle of the season where they I feel like they couldn't lose. Um, and then they brought in Arango, right? If like it just layered on top some true finishing ability. I don't even know if he'll be available for for the first of the three matchups. Um, but with that said, you know, Dallas swept them this season. I think I, I expect Houston with how well they're playing. I expect Baird, Quinones, Herrera to just have a field day. Like in my opinion, I, I, I just, with how open this, this Houston attack really is, Houston's the one team on the Western side that I'm scared of. I'm not scared of LAFC. I'm not scared of St. Louis city. Dallas has beaten all these teams um, this season. You know, only team that we have not beaten is Houston. Uh, we haven't beaten Seattle. We've drawn them both times. But with that said, we you know Dallas and Seattle have a playoff history against one another, mm-hmm. right? We've seen this team five or six times in the past seasons, um, usually right about this stage, round one or, or going into the conference semis. Um, and so I feel like it, they, they they still have a lot of the same veterans they've had in previous years. I feel like there's because there's more familiarity there. It's not that scary, but there's there's going to be a game plan going into this we've gone to lumen field earlier this season got a point um the the match at toyota stadium in frisco i feel like we we, we dropped points it was a game where we were kind of dominating uh to an extent and they, they they nicked a goal um in the middle of the second half i i i feel better but if we had matched up against someone like houston i think it's just the team you don't want to see right now it, 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 in, in terms of the entire western conference the four c doesn't do the houston dynamo justice they already have a cup this season i'm fully expecting them to to make a very deep run and i would if i had to we don't have to like give too many teasers for what's coming after round one on this show today 
but I could see them in the conference final, man, a hundred percent. I think it's going to be, I'm just, I'm glad we're on the other side of the bracket. We'll put it that way. I'm glad that we don't, if we ever have to worry about Houston, it won't be till it's late, late in, uh, in, in the playoffs. Yeah. I think um, obviously the other thing that people always mention when it comes to the Houston Dynamo in the playoffs is uh, uh, whenever they are in the playoffs, they go pretty far in, in, they do. in the playoffs. Uh, even yeah, the history is wild, man. Yeah. So they, the Dynamo, obviously one of the better playoff teams in MLS history, uh, which is always a, a sick flex to have. Um, but yeah, man, I, but yeah, Seattle FC Dallas, like each one of these matchups, I, I really enjoy, I think. And then once again, the, the teams that benefit most from a three game series is St. Louis city. SC, their first year as an MLS club. And I mean, you know, way, way to raise the bar here for, for FC San Diego. Uh, to, you know, like, yeah, seriously, man. I, I think like, yeah, as far as expansion teams go, that, that is the new bar. But I, I also, I also say this, like, St. Louis, a team that Dallas beat 2-0 earlier in the season, is it depends on which version shows up. I'll say this. Right now, if I had to make predictions, my two biggest upset predictions on the west side of the bracket, I can see Sporting Kansas City, provided they get past San Jose, and I'm assuming that they will, I could see them pulling off the upset because of the rivalry. Mm -hmm. Because you know their fans are going to travel. You know that they're going to have some support in each one of those matches. Then it just becomes about who, who wants it more, who's got more experience at the helm. And right now, with this being the inaugural season for St. Louis, you just have to assume that Kansas City is going to come in with a decent amount of momentum. And they're doing this on the back of a couple matches that were literally finals for them, right? It was it was do or die with how poorly they started the season. Decision day started like two weeks ago for Sporting Kansas City. You know what I mean? Like they had to keep winning for decision day to be meaningful to them. And now they're in, they're in the wild card. I think they carry that momentum and they give St. Louis some real problems. I can see sporting Kansas city going through. And the other match that I think is, is strong potential for upset uh, are, are the two or the matches I should say are the two outside of the Houston RSL to me, Houston RSL is going to be pretty straightforward. I think Houston goes through. I expect LAFC to close Vancouver out in a pretty controlled way. But if they don't, that will be the upset of playoffs by far. I think if the Whitecaps get past LAFC in a three-game format, everyone's bracket is busted. I don't think that anybody's going to make that prediction. Um, it would just be kind of crazy. It wouldn't be the first time we, we ever saw a six-seed upset a three-seed, but it, it would just, with how good LAFC is, they're technically still the defending champions, I expect them to, to, to win that out pretty easily. Um, but you never know, right? It's playoffs. And then I, I think with Dallas and Seattle, I know this is a homer pick. I just think Dallas is, we know how to play against this team to an extent. And right now, this is, of all the playoff versions of the Seattle Sounders that we've seen in recent history, this is the least intimidating version by far. Like, I'm I'm not anywhere close to being scared of this Sounders team as compared to previous seasons where we've seen them in the playoffs. And it's just been incredibly difficult to, to go up against them. So I think that there's some strong, strong upset potential on the West side as well. No, yeah, I definitely I, I think that this is definitely one of the most if you're a Seattle Sounders fan, I would imagine that this was this year was pretty overwhelming. Um a lot of guys are getting old, man, in Seattle. That's I think that's yeah. kind of the the thing. I don't I haven't really seen Seattle make any really much adjustments to it. Um I they're gonna have to address some things come the offseason that they're gonna have to make some some changes, do some new bring some new faces in. Um Yeah, for sure. And, and and of course, right. It also it also you know when you think about bringing new faces in. They're going to have to replace Nico Ladero. 
They're going to have to, right? Yeah. This is the last season. He's already announced he's played his last home game uh, for the Sounders. And, you know, he's going to, and I've, of course, Dallas has to be wary of that, right? They're going to ride some of that momentum. You know, when you when you when you hear it's a player's last dance, that player has been so instrumental to where you've been over the last half decade or so as a club. The players are going to rally around that. They're going to you know push to 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 make the deepest run possible so that um, they can send off Nico and Style, right? A hundred percent. But I, I still think that if Sounders weren't so up and down, and when I say up and down, I mean guys like you know we're. we're how, how many points separate Seattle and and Dallas? There was seven points that separate second and seventh. So I think certain fans look at the seeding between Seattle and Dallas and say, "Oh, it's second against seventh. Second should easily win." I even see MLS writers like Sam Jones making it seem that straightforward that Dallas has just been this underwhelming team. And offensively, that's probably true. I think what most people don't realize though is that defensively. We've given up less goals than just about every team ahead of us, except for Seattle, right? So every team ahead of us in the standings, we have a better defensive record, whether it's home or away, except for the Sounders. So this could be, this could go either way, right? This could be three, one nils, or we could see three consecutive penalty kick shootouts. Like we really could. Uh, it, it could be that close between Seattle and Dallas. And I think there's going to be a little bit of a, um, some playoff history that comes into play there. We'll see, man. It's, it's going to be one of the ties of uh, of the round for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, the fact that, like, come decision day, no one knew who was going to be the second seed should have been a big indication of how real close uh, it was for – because, you know, any of these teams could have been second. Anybody could have been seventh. That's really how it was. Uh, Crazy. Seven, pains, seven points. That's, that's literally two wins and a draw. Uh, <laughs> it's like – so – I mean, you, yeah. Um, I, I expect. I, I, I'm obviously going to expect some upsets because of this three game series uh, format for it. Uh, I, I think that that's going to open up that there is going to be a potential upset, and I can see FC Dallas because, like I said, it's been overwhelming for Seattle this year. Um, that's the only reason why I see it that way. Like, it's not that that might be one of those games that goes to three games. Um, same thing yeah. with Columbus Crew and Atlanta United. I can see that being one of those games that go to the go to three games. Um, there's games that are like look like they're going to be a little bit clear. Uh, that it's going to be it's going to be a sweep. But when I look at games that are going to go the distance, Columbus Crew and Atlanta United and Seattle and FC Dallas to me are are games that it's going to have to go down to that final game. Um, yeah. And then plus, I think so too. No one's you. No one can tie, so you have to win these games. You know they're going to go to penalties. And that's going to be another another caveat because I mean this is going to become super stressful super quickly. Um, there is going to be teams that are going to be fighting for that draw so they can go to PKs, and there's going to be teams that are going to be doing all they can, throw the kitchen sink out there just to avoid penalties. Bro, I think Dallas is going to be one of those teams. Like uh, not 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 being the one that throws the kitchen sink. I think Dallas is because look at it, man. Like you know what's crazy is that there's been a ton of draws. Dallas has drawn uh, 13 matches this season. That is more than our wins or our loss count. They've drawn 13 matches, and a lot of those came towards the tail end of the season against great teams, Atlanta United, the Philadelphia Union, Seattle Sounders, a lot of playoff teams, Columbus Crew, um, some of these guys that were already locking up playoffs pretty early. And so I think it says a lot about our ability to at least keep games very competitive, which says to me that in a, in a three-game format, if you know that there's not going to be an extra time, you know, a period, and you could just go right to penalty kicks, I can totally see Coach Nico building that into his strategy. I guarantee you, all week this week, they're going to penalty kicks are going to be part of the training 
uh, schedule, whatever it's going to look like, the regiment every day this week, 100%. Like, I think that there's going to be part of that in the back of his mind that says, look, I'm going to know who my five shooters are going into this. And if at 10 minutes left in the match, we're, this, this game is close, it's still at a draw, I'm just going to play for the Pelican Kick shootout and trust my team to do it. I was at the playoff match last year where Dallas beat Minnesota on, on penalty kicks. And I could just see this team, you know, almost implementing that same strategy again. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. This is going to be an amazing uh, first round of playoffs. Hopefully we were right about who we think is going to win the wild card. If not, it's okay. I'm used to being wrong. Um, so <laughs> same. Except except that the the that Inter Miami didn't make it to the to the wild card round, so didn't have to give away a jersey. So yeah, yeah, seriously, bro. So, I, I, how many people had him in? Right, I mean, myself included. I thought after we saw what happened in the League's Cup, I thought, dude, I mean, getting into playoffs now should be super straightforward. But it does show you that MLS is still competitive as hell, man. Like you know, you can't start off that poorly and expect the best player in the world to save you um, when you're that many points behind, right? So. Shout out to Charlotte. I think and no matter what, man, if Charlotte lose, this is still progression for the club. Yeah. Right? Like, this is still a, a positive season, a positive end to the season for them. They got into, I mean, again, if you if you call wild card playoffs and they got into the playoffs, something they haven't done before. And I think that, you know, look, you, if you go out to the Red Bulls, a team who has a massive playoff history, I think that that's, that's solid progression for this club. And, and you know, uh, Charlotte FC fans shouldn't be too upset. I think the only reason that you get upset would be if you get blown out in the wild card. If you you know you get absolutely dunked on by the Red Bulls, that, that's probably the last thing you want to happen. But I just I don't see Red Bulls pumping in a ton of goals either. Yeah, I, I agree 100. Uh, percent That is for sure. So enjoy the new format or hate it. I don't know. Uh, I'm a I'm definitely going to be criticizing that when at once the once the, this first round is complete. But don't worry. Once yep. this r- first round's over, it's back to normal playoff soccer that we're all used to. Or not you. So I, weird, bro. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, it's so weird. This this whole format's gonna throw people for a loop. But I will say this: like, once you get to that part of it, past round one, it's just single elimination. Um, it's gonna be hard to predict. Well, I guess it depends on the teams that make it in, man. Like, if if, if there are a lot of upsets in round one, and everybody's playoff bracket is busted, I think even if it is single elimination, those those you know those those conference semifinal matches are gonna be juicy. I mean, I I, I really. It's it's gonna feel unlike anything MLS fans have experienced up to this point, and it probably will regardless. But I feel like if 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 the, if the potential for upsets um, is high with this new playoff format, MLS is gonna double down on it. Who knows? They may introduce some crazier, you know, bells and whistles on top of this format for next season. Um, who knows? I was really surprised they didn't they didn't go with the you know the two legs in the in the semifinal before a single elimination in the final, but. You know, uh, maybe that's, you know, they just took that game, put it into into the round one, make it a best of three, and we still get the same amount of matches technically. So I don't know, man. We'll see. I'm, I'm just really hoping that this is at a minimum still very entertaining. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really important for MLS. Obviously, you, you've you gotten your audience now with the addition to Messi Mania. Um, so you definitely want to have a big show for them and get – obviously, you got the attention now. Now the goal is to keep them. And um, so hopefully the playoffs can do that for you. I'm really excited, man. I can't wait. Uh, MLS playoffs is very dramatic. Um, the conclusion <laughs> will be on December 9th. They always always have the playoffs around my birthday. It's always kind of funny to me. Um, I get like this whole weekend of just Liga Mackey's final and, and, and MLS Cup. So it's always a cool weekend for me. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, dope, man. I like that. <laughs> um, 
So I, I take it. So yeah. So with with that said, I mean, going into like that that last you know that, that first week of November, um, I'm fully expecting. I'll be honest, bro. I'm, I'm fully expecting Houston to be there and potentially against someone like let's say LAFC. Um, uh, well, I, I, well let, let me ask you this, right? If if that's you know you guys get the defending champions, and I just want to get like a hot take from you early before we even get to what the rest of the matches could look like. Um, do you guys think like right now? you're firing on all cylinders enough to a point where you guys could take down LAFC in that single. And I think in a, in a one game matchup, anything can happen. But for that reason, Bowanga could score like, you know, what was it pretty recently? He had that first half hat trick, right? Crazy shit like that could happen in a single elimination match, but equally you guys could do what you did in us open cup and pump in goals very, very early. Um, how would you predict that matchup goes? If you see someone that strong in the, in the conference final. I, I think when uh, when people think about the Dynamo, at least from what my experience is, obviously they like the the midfield that the Dynamo have. I think you can probably say it's one of the one of the top midfields in, in MLS. I wouldn't say the I, I don't want to say best one because then everyone's gonna think I'm a cocky asshole. But uh, <laughs> I definitely want to say it though. <laughs> but it's definitely one of the best between between Bossy and and and, and, and like you know and, and uh, I mean Karaskia. I think I think it's actually that that's a solid argument. Like for the best midfield right now in MLS. Yeah, because I, mean, I don't with, know who with else you could really put up there. Yeah, with that combination of Herrera, uh, Bossy. Sometimes they put Bossy up top, but obviously Coco Carasquilla, yeah. who potentially might be going to Europe uh, come this winter. Uh, and then, of course, Arthur, who I think a lot of people are sleeping on how underrated this guy has. This is definitely mm-hmm. a, a big key that happened for the Dynamo. But I think uh, defensively, this team has been very gritty. I think that the defense that the Dynamo have, especially with the addition of, of uh, Eric Chetanko, uh, definitely became a leader in that back line. And, and you can see the improvement from that back line after he came on uh, for the team. Yep. So I think that for the Dynamo, I think it's it's just play Houston ball, which is getting dirt, just play, being that, which is kind of the Dynamo of old, you know, that blue collar, uh, you know, grind out kind of victories. That's always how they have played back in the day. And I feel like it's always great to bring that mentality back. And I think guys like Hector Herrera, Arthur, um, they're definitely – bringing that working mentality going back into it. The attack, I mean, Corey Baird has definitely become more more and more reliable as as days have gone. Um, yeah. But I think that's going to be the question mark is where are we getting those goals from? It always seems like it's somebody different every once in a while. Um, so I think that that's the important part. But when you have a midfield that has Coca Cadesquia and, and Hector Herrera, you know that they're going to be making finding guys that are open and, and making sure that they can take advantage. But with LAFC, I think it's just keeping them quiet, uh, you know, keeping those passing lanes as close as you can. And I think once again, you got you got Arthur, who's really smart with the uh, smart at closing lanes. And once again, Shinchenko, who I who I think uh, next come next year, hopefully, could be one of the top defenders in MLS. Um, so yeah. I think that them just being on key on point defensively and just finally when the Dynamo get that opportunity, and it could be the fact that maybe no one has an answer for Nelson Kionis. It could really I, I think be so, bro. I, I think that guy is, dude. He's fucking lightning in a bottle, man. Like, like it's it's so hard to contain him. Um, and that's and, and what you mentioned before, Hector. I think is the biggest point to drive home. I, I'll be honest. I've already made my bracket, and I have LAFC and Houston in the Western Conference Final. And I I think you know experience matters a lot. Recent playoff experience, and it doesn't get any more recent than the defending MLS champions. But I I will say that. I feel like there's one path for LAFC to get back to the MLS Cup final. That's Denny Bawanka. 
And, you know, if that form falters anywhere, right, if he has an off game in a single elimination playoff match, anything can happen. Whereas I feel like the Dynamo, you said it yourself, the goals kind of come from everywhere. There isn't a tried and true goal scorer. You have playmakers behind that front line that know how to distribute, know how to find their teammates well. And a front line that, that right now seems to be finding the goals, but they can come from really anywhere. And so when you're game planning for the Dynamo, it makes it very, very difficult to figure out where you should add a little more help or pressure to kind of close things down because they have so many options. Whereas I feel like Dynamo can, can really game plan for LAFC well. Bawanga, sh- shut that dude down and the likelihood of us winning this game goes through the roof, right? So, and then, and then if you look statistically at, at, at these two teams, bro, they're, they're one point separating them on the standings. Even in the points per game, it's like 1.5 to 1.53. Like they've had very similar seasons. They've just peaked at different times. Um, and, and their home and away record is also relatively the same. You know, there's probably a game difference between the two. Houston Dynamo are slightly better at home. And, you know, by one game, LAFC are slightly better on the road. So, you know, it's it could go either way. Um, if it was a two-leg matchup, you know, maybe you favor LAFC's experience. But I don't know, man. Single elimination game with a team with a team who's already won a cup this year and is coming in hot in the playoffs. This could be the Dynamo's year, man. You might have a good birthday coming up. We'll see. Yeah, I kind of hope so. I mean, I, I need I need something <laughs> to forget about about what happened <laughs> a couple days ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that, man. I hear that. No, I do. I will say, I do love Adoles Garcia, man. Ever since the guy came up uh, with the Rangers, I was like, this dude's a freak of nature, and. I, it, Dude. I'm not even mad for him for pimping that home run. I I would have done the same thing. Um, yeah, hit me with a baseball. Yeah, I don't bro, he was. Uh... <laughs> it wasn't yeah, intentional. Yeah, bro, it wasn't intentional. Like... I'm just gonna say that. Right yeah, there. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But like, bro, watching him last night, dude was so fucking determined to like help the Rangers. You know, on the road, get this result, which is so weird, right? To see a, 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 a you know, I don't go deep into MLB stuff here, but to see a playoff series that no team won their home matchups, like, like it's just. Anything's possible. I don't know. And then, <laughs> yeah, anything, anything's possible. And then, yeah, to, on the opposite side, to see a team win every playoff match uh, or every road uh, matchup in that series, win all of them, and, and not go on to win the series altogether is just kind of crazy, too. So, I mean, but yeah, but Garcia, bro, he he won the the you know, the MVP of the series for a reason. Um, yeah, the guy just fucking clutch as hell. Him and Seager, um, absolutely over the moon about. Uh, but with that said, I'm still a little, little jaded from previous years. If you're a Rangers fan, you know that 2011, yeah. 2012 were some – Bottle jobs by us, couldn't close series out, and hopefully we don't repeat those mistakes. But, but yeah, man, I think, uh, uh, hopefully I think the, Dynamo, Dallas, the Dynamo will give you more to, to cheer about. I think FC Dallas should take a page out of uh, the Texas Rangers and uh, listen to Creed uh, for pregame. Hey, bro, hey, <laughs> apparently hey, it's worked. If that's, if that's what it takes, yeah, <laughs> it, it could be Creed, Nickelback, whatever it is, bro. Put it on the locker room, let the boys vibe, and let's see what happens. Yeah, man. So, all right. So that is the first round of the MLS playoffs. Uh, hopefully we can bring Jose back when it comes to the the next round in the playoffs and maybe add some more people from Goals TV. Definitely would love to showcase these guys as well. Uh, but, but yeah, man, time to shamelessly plug yourself. Uh, go go off. I appreciate it, bro. Hey, look, man, guys, for if you haven't checked it out already, um, go check it out. Goals.tv, G-O-L-Z, a unique spelling, G-O-L-Z.tv. Like 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 Hector already said, Hulu of, of of television for soccer fans. I think whether you love you know recaps of matches, match day vlogs, um, podcasts, you know trading card content, 
gaming with EAFC 24, anything in between, bro. There's kind of anything and everything for everybody. And really, really soon, I don't want to tease it too much because we haven't announced it yet, but very, very soon, we're announcing a partnership with the Pro League. There will be Pro League content coming to this platform. I won't announce the league just yet, but it is coming very soon. And we're hoping that this leads to more strategic relationships and just better content coming to the platform for this growing fan base here in America. So I'm super excited about it. The platform itself is also getting a ton more unique features. It's going to look a little bit different too moving forward. Um, looks pretty sexy now, in my opinion. Uh, pretty damn sexy, actually. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. And look, we're, we're going to be getting more Goal TV creators up on this uh, on this show. I'd love to. I think for the next playoff matchup, bro, I want to come back because uh, I think that there's some hot takes that I made on this episode today that I, you know maybe some fans will have, have receipts for. Um, and I want to be able to answer those effectively. But I think that we could probably get some others on here too and just have a real debate over how we think, you know, the, the rest of the playoffs is going to work out. Like like we've said a bunch of times on this episode today, brand new playoff format. In my opinion, never been a more exciting time to be a soccer fan on this side of the world. Let's uh, let's support MLS, bro. Let's see how far, you know, some of these teams can really make it. I know Hector and myself both have a team in this bracket and we want to see how far they can go, man. So Hector, I, I, I can't thank you enough, bro. Thanks for having me on. And if you will have me on next week, I definitely want to be here. Yeah, definitely, man. De- we'll, we'll definitely send you the invite once the first round is through. Um, and, yeah, so thank you so much. Uh, make sure you guys check out Goals TV. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and then you guys are going to go and hear me and Edward uh, share our thoughts on the U.S. Men's National Team's international break, our recap for that. So make sure you stay tuned. Hey, everyone. It's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Billy Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, we can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BellyUpSports at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. And we're back. I want to give a big thank you to Jose Tejas, obviously, to come in and talk MLS with us. Um, make sure you guys check out Goals TV, man. Goals.tv. It's free to subscribe to. Um, check out all the great content that's going on over there at Goals TV, man. I literally can't can't preach enough about it, man. You can find us there as well as other great content creators, um, especially if you're a big MLS fan and you're just not able to find content for your MLS club. Goals TV definitely has it there for you, man. And, of course, check out their original shows like Wake Up MLS and Yanks of the Roundtable, especially uh, Yanks of the Roundtable. There's a, a – I don't know his name, actually, but I think he goes by Barca Boy. That dude is just a hot take machine. It It is hilarious. I never agree with anything he says, but I love that he stands on his island and stands on that firmly. So <laughs> I I can admire that too. <laughs> it's like, man, you are so wrong, but hey, you're making me believe. <laughs> like I I still can't go get over the fact that he said Vidic is better than Rio Ferdinand. Like I was just like, really? <laughs> Once again, not a Manchester United fan, but I feel like that's a hot take. <laughs> Maybe I were can agree or disagree with that one. I'm a bit on I'm a bit on the fence on that one. <laughs> Everyone's like, I decline to to speak on this matter. I plead the fee. I plead the fee. But all right. 
But all right, guys, the U.S. men's national team, another international break has happened. So now we can go ahead and look and tell you guys whether or not USA made us proud or um, I am I am on back on on Greg Berhalter is on is on side watch. Um, so we'll see how that works out. But all right. So you had two two games, one against Germany and the other one against Ghana. USA ended up losing to Germany three to one where they had 40 percent of the possession in that game. Uh, U.S. Only had six shots, and three of those were on target, one of them being at the 27-minute mark by Christian Pulisic, which was a banger of a goal. And then after that, Germany proceeded to do what Germany does best, which is not be the terrible Germany under Hansi Flick. Um, this was also the de- the debut of, of Julian Nagelsmann as the new manager for Germany. And, I mean, hey, they went they, they went off on all cylinders. In the 39th minute, a goal was scored by Edward's favorite German, Gundogan. He's not actually. It's obviously it's Marco Rose, uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure he's retired from Germany now. Um, full Krug, which I will tell you guys, when I played FIFA, well, now EA Sports FC, um, but FIFA back in the day, this dude, I don't know how many times I used this guy on my on my FIFA career mode rebuilds. Especially when I did like Road to Glories, I don't know how many times I used Fulkrug, but man, that dude can. Okay, it's great to see that he's actually like playing for Germany because usually he's like he's one of those players that like comes down like start when you first like find him. He's like at like a sixty-five, sixty-two rating, and then next you know as you develop him, he bumps up to like a high eighty, almost ninety player. So. At least the times that I've used them on on career modes, I don't know if ever you've ever used Fulkrug. Um, but, but yeah, so it's good to see, it's good to see that, you know, FIFA or EA Sports FC can be accurate with, with their, with their predictions on even, some of these players. I don't even have, I don't even have uh, FIFA or what you call it, EA Sports or, uh. No, but I mean, yeah, have you ever EAFC. used them at all in, and Edward's favorite player to use in FIFA was, uh, Angus Gunn, who was this, uh, goalkeeper. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Angus Gunn, and I managed him. to pull, and I managed to push him all the way up to. I think I got him up to like a ninety-one. There's always basically like, I made him my starting goalkeeper. There's always like he was one a seventy-nine player. overall, and then like in one season I managed to get him to eighty-three. There's always like one player in FIFA that that everyone just like, oh, I'm gonna do a road to glory. Got to buy this guy, uh, which my my player personally, especially as a goalkeeper, was Jamal Blackman. Um, that was his name. I mean, legendary goalkeeper. I have won so many Champions Leagues with that guy. <laughs> Thank you, Jamal. <laughs> Wherever you may be in the designated, I don't know where he's at it? now. I'm pretty the sure he's probably like in the uh, lower in the lower the divisions. designated area. The, the designated area. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So full club scores in the 58 minute, and then Musiala scores in the 61st minute ending that game 3-1 uh and then in which obviously you guys remember my complete meltdown <laughs> um last episode when I when I had no faith in in this US team um but in obviously the the second match which was against Ghana it ended up being a 4-0 beating um uh, which actually all go, all the goals were happening in the first half USA had 44% of the possession uh USA had 13 shots eight of them were on target 
obviously the four goals which came at by Gio Reyna in the 10th minute and the 39th minute. Um, and then Christian Pulisic scored the 19th minute off a penalty. And Fularen Balogun scores in the 22nd minute um, in that game. So, yeah, USA looked completely different in that game in, in that game against Ghana. Uh, but things that, that I took away from this international break for the U.S. Um, is a tale of two halves. Wow, I typed that poorly. Um, a tale of two halves, uh, which is which was a in which basically the first half was actually pretty good performances from the U.S. men's national team. Because uh, I mean, if you look at the first half for the Germany game, the first half ended one-one, um, obviously with the goal from Christian Pulisic, and then Gun the Gun responded, um, and then you could say the same thing with the Ghana game because all four of the goals from this 4-0 victory were all in the first half, meaning that the adjustments that were done in the second half, maybe, you know, maybe the, the, the tactics were a little bit different depending on the personnel. And then the second half, they just, I, I guess you could say, just took off, took their foot off the gas and we got the results that we got. Because I honestly would say if the U.S. was still playing the way they were playing, in the first half, especially in Ghana, this this lead could have been probably a little bit more than just 4-0. Um, I don't know about Germany game, um, but I mean to say if they were able to play with that with still those uh with a little bit of a an of a an of aggressive way, who to say that this this lead could have been completely different? So that's one thing I would say is that uh Taylor two halves, USA first half were very good, second half was definitely um, I wouldn't say disappointing, but very just like lacklustering would probably be the best way to describe the second half for the U.S. men's national team. Um, the other thing I took away was that it featured a new formation uh, for the U.S. men's national team. Normally, U.S. especially with Burrowhalter, they usually run a 4-3-3. And the 4-3-3, uh, there's obviously a lot of different variations with the 4-3-3, but obviously the one more familiar with Greg Burrowhalter is that midfield the three three you know so obviously if you guys don't know what a four three three is you know obviously four being a back line of four uh the three being three midfielders and then the the top three was obviously you know striker and wingers and for Greg Berhalter's variation of his four three three it would usually have two uh I would say box to box type midfielders kind of like an eight type role um, which if you guys remember, usually you would see, uh, especially during the World Cup in 2022, was Weston McKennie, Eunice Munsa, and then you would have a six, which a uh, defensive midfielder, which at, obviously was Tyler Adams. Um, the only thing is with the 4-3-3, the, the way, at least the way Burhalter used it, because, I mean, you can, that, that three doesn't necessarily have to play in those specific roles, but... I mean, the way Burhalter played, the one thing that a lot of people argued about with Burhalter's 4-3-3 is the lack of a 10. Now, for people that don't understand what the 10 role is, it's more of like a creative player, a guy that can kind of move up and help with the attack. And I'm not saying that these guys don't move up. It's just that, you know, when you're playing, especially those that A role, you kind of are that, you know, you're helping out with the attack, but then you also have like that defensive quality. Um, Whereas a number 10 is just 
pure creative. Um, and I, I think many many people can even say, I, I mean, props to tactical manager, uh, Filippo. Uh, he's even said it, like, you do need essentially a destroyer, a six, um, a box-to-box midfielder, which you could argue would be like a Musa or even a Weston McKinney. Um, and then, and then have that creative midfielder, a 10, which in most people's eyes would be Gio Reyna. But obviously with the formations that Greg Berhalter would use, Reyna, he would usually use Reyna as a winger, not so much as a midfielder. So the obviously the midfield you would then have would be having a six and two eights, which is what Musa and McKenney are um, playing in that role. So, I mean, you could say that that kind of does take some creativity away from the midfield. Um, and also the fact that you were playing Reyna in a position that he's not necessarily, I, I mean, obviously he's capable of playing on the wing, but he'd probably be more suitable playing in that 10 role, that attacking midfield position, um, because that's what he plays for Dortmund. Uh, well, we're going to the ninth inning. Uh, but yeah. So that's the four three three. What normally, uh, what normally Berhalter uses, but the new formation, and it's not really that big of a change. I don't, I'm not gonna say it's, it's a massive change, but just just aside from the name of what it is, uh, for for uh Berhalter, the new formation that Berhalter featured, which was the four two three one formation, and and same same thing, kind very similar to the four three three. It's just a, probably a little bit different. But not too much, which is obviously you still have that back line of four. You have two eights, two eights, or maybe you can have you can have one play a little bit more of a six role. But the thing that's different is obviously that three, which is obviously still two players on the wings and a cam, and then obviously you have your striker up top. The reason why everyone yeah. was shocked by the four two three one formation was because you Greg Berhalter was using a cam, which is something that all the fans have been begging for for long is is to see him use a cam and the reason why is because we have a player that is a pure number 10 which is Gio Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna plays the 10 better than anybody that we have in the US system. The next one might be Balik Tillman. And we've been playing this guy out of position. We've been playing him on the wing. Once again, not saying that he's terrible on the wing, but let's face it, if you're better if you're almost argued to be a high class player in a certain position, especially when you're healthy, um it would be nice to play that guy in his position. And this is one of those things where I, the reason why I say like national team is different from a uh, club because club. Yes, you can create your, you can get players based on your system, but with a national team, it's what you have. Your best players are your best players. Like the position that they're in is the position that they play. So if you're trying to make a cam be a winger, Yes, they can still be creative in that spot, but you're not using them up to their full potential. Whereas now you are now making a formation that best accommodates for what you have, which once again, this is honestly, I would I'm someone that does like the 433. Eric can tell you I love the 433 formation. Um, obviously I've been complaining about that for Real Madrid so far this season. But when you're talking about a national team, you need to have a a, a system, a formation that best benefits your team. And you got, I mean, your back line, pretty decent. Um, you're, and then, like, once again, going back to what tactical manager says, you need a box-to-box midfielder, a destroyer, which is obviously the six, 
and then a creative player, a number 10. And in that midfield, you had, you know, Musa playing that box-to-box midfielder. Johnny Cardoso, who was playing as that six or that destroyer, and then obviously Gio Reyna playing in that number 10. And when they did that in the Ghana game, that's why you had four goals in the first half was playing, was being able to let Gio Reyna play in his best position, which is the 10 role. Um, but yeah, so so those were the things I took away from those two games. Edward, uh, what do you what do you have to say about my my whole thing about the tail of two halves and the new introduction of the new formation? But let, we'll start with the the, the tail of two halves. How did you feel about my me explaining about how the U.S. was very good in the first half and then very just eh in the second half? I mean, I'm gonna be blunt here. Didn't catch the games, but I mean, I. I I think we did talk about this out out off the off the air. Um, I I agree with you. I mean, I agree with how how everything's going on right now. And I mean, personally, I just I'm just waiting to see if this team is going to be ready for the World Cup, which is up and coming soon. Um, do like uh twenty 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 yeah it's coming up actually yeah next year right hmm? oh, wait the World Cup it's coming up next year twenty twenty six twenty twenty six my bad this this Sorry. summer will be Copa America and the Olympics okay so it's gonna be a good uh. A good little uh, powwow for them to try to see if this. Uh, I mean, like you, I'm a big fan of the four-three-three formation. You know that, especially with like how you explained it with the center, with a center attacking mid with a cam. Uh, Gio Reyna, perfect for that position. Um, I've, I'm I'm still playing. You're you're playing a what's it called the EAFC twenty-four, right? Yeah, the new one. I, I'm still playing uh, FIFA twenty-three. Uh, in FIFA 23, I started with Barca and Wait I ended Black up getting Friday Gio Reyna. <laughs> yeah, right. That's pretty much it. But I ended up getting Gio Reyna for Barcelona, and he's my he's like uh, okay, so I got two cams. So Phil Fon is my first cam, and then Gio Reyna is my secondary. Um, but basically, I use Gio Reyna, like you said, either on the wing or as a center attacking mid. Mostly, I do use him as a as a left wing. But when I'm like, okay, let me go ahead and put in um, – uh, I ended up getting Messi, and he's going to retire there. I'll go ahead and put Messi on left wing sometimes, whatever. And then I'll change over uh, Gio Reyna over to Cam. And, the like, just the way – even even in the video game, it's like it's, – it's, it's really a game changer. Like, I feel like the Cam would be the perfect position for him in real life. Um and then, like you said, I mean, it's uh, with the four-three-three formation. I think that's actually how it should be done. It, it's it's let's put it this way: uh, for US, I think they've been with the uh, four-four-two uh, or um, what was not, their not usual with, Not with Berhalter. Berhalter has been using yeah, the four-three-three. Four, yeah, so four-three-three Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like I feel like if they want to play, especially like. With an attacking mentality, the four-three-three attacking 
focusing more on attacking with the center attacking mid uh, would benefit them. And, of course, the center mids would have to be going up and down, back and forth, uh, to, def- to help defense and to also distribute the ball. Um, but then you also have, like, like Gio Reyna, he can do all that, and he can take on. He can take on players. So, yeah, I think uh, yeah. along with that, I think with Balogun, because um, obviously with the four three three, I think doesn't necessarily benefit to what Balogun plays because I don't think Balogun is that because obviously you know when Berhalter's four three three, a lot of it comes from the wing, uh, and obviously when you have players like Christian Pulisic and Timothy Weah, you definitely want to use that for the advantage. Uh, but I think with what Balogun could do, I don't necessarily think Balogun is necessarily an aerial threat. I'm not saying that he's not, but I think one of one of his best abilities is his ability with the with when the ball's on his feet. Um, he is a little bit more of a of a creative player that can do some little chop moves, a little bit of a dribble. You know, gets Edward excited. Um, and I think with the addition of Reyna as a cam, he can deliver the ball to Reyna in a more direct way to best benefit Balogun, which, I mean, I feel like the highlights from the Ghana game, it was like the, the Gio Reyna, Pulisic, Balogun show. Like, it's literally yeah. how I felt when I was watching the highlights as well, not only from watching the game, but watching the highlights as well. It was just, there there are there are big three, if you will, if, if big threes existed in, in football. Um. But yeah, like I, 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 so like not only that, not only did you, like the fact that like, so this is where I'm like, man, maybe Brawlhalter has changed a little bit because he changed the formation. This whole this man has always been preaching about his system, his system, his system. That's all we've been hearing from Brawlhalter for years now. It's all about his system, and now yeah. we finally see him making a change in his system, which is using a formation that would best benefit. And Edward Edwards heard me say this before because I think. Reyna could arguably surpass uh, Pulisic one day. Your best player. I think yep. when Reyna's on the field and when Reyna's playing at his best, I think the U.S. is a little bit more scarier of a team. Uh, more scarier. <laughs> is a scarier team than without him. And Because, I mean, the, at, the, at, the, at, the, at, at one point, it's like, can Pulisic do it all? Not really. I mean, yeah, he, he, he comes up clutch for us plenty of times, but... I think if you're able to add another threat, which I'm going to tell you, Gio Reyna can be that other threat, this team gets a lot more dangerous. And then once again, don't forget, Timothy Weah is on the other side. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I liked so far what, what I saw from the U.S. Um, yeah, that, and, and I think the other thing we should add, we are talking about friendlies. You know, like, did losing to Germany really hurt the U.S. by any means? maybe maybe not i mean to be i will be honest with you where usa and mexico are both ranked in the fifa rankings makes no sense to me <laughs> because they should definitely be a lot lower um uh, but uh but losing to germany i mean i don't know germany since since hansi flick left germany has looked a lot like the germany that we know so i, I it's going to be hard to beat teams like that but i think if things are going in, in the way it's appearing, once again, we still got to see what this team can do when they see their first real opponent. Um, no offense to any other teams in CONCACAF, but like maybe Copa America is going to be that test, at least for us, 
Um, but I believe the next international break, which will be CONCACAF Nations League uh, matches, which I believe is they're both going to be against Trinidad and Tobago. Um, yeah. So that's going to happen. But I believe the following international break, um, there's only two teams that I think the U.S. can really have a friendly with, and I think they're both aiming at South America because obviously in preparation to Copa America, um, and those teams are actually Argentina and Brazil. Once again, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not making predictions here that we're going to face off Argentina and Brazil in friendlies. But from what makes re- makes sense realistically, it could if they're going to go and like we want to play against teams from South America. Those are the two teams that are essentially available to do it. And uh, that sounds like a pretty big test there for the U.S., especially if they're trying to get ready for Copa America. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, um, they hit a home run, so that's that's cool. 11-4. We're not go. We're not going down without a fight. <laughs> just, just what now? What, what's that now? Uh, nine runs? No, seven runs. Just seven runs to tie it. Seven runs. Eight runs. Eight eight runs to win it. Yeah, that's possible. It's only you only got one inning to do it. <laughs> They're already at the what is it top of the ninth or bottom of the ninth? Bottom of the ninth. This is it. We're this the is whole basically where everybody has to. Every, just, just everybody from here on out hit home runs. You know, that's, that's possible. Anyone could do it. Sheesh. Yeah. All right. But yeah. So, um, so the players that were featured in this in these friendlies, Matt Turner for goalkeepers played in both games. Uh, fullbacks, we saw Joe Scali in the Germany game. Sergino Des played in both Germany and Ghana. I will say Sergino Des looks like Sergino Des again, and I am all for it. Um, so I'm I'm happy to see that. Christopher Lund played in the Ghana game. I'm really intrigued by Christopher Lund. I don't know what it is about him. I have no idea. It's not like he's anything, no offense. I don't see anything really special about him. <laughs> that sounds so mean. Uh but he he's like a like a good depth piece if that makes any sense to you, especially because you know when we're talking yeah. about left back, right? Because I mean, what the last times we've had like as as far as like the fullback goes, like it's literally been Sergino Dez, Joe Scali, and DeAndre Yellen, who all three play right back primarily, and then you know Anthony Robinson. So Anthony Robinson has been getting burnt out every tournament that we've gone because he has to play every single game because he's literally the only left back. Um, I think Christopher Lund. If that that adds another, at least someone that can actually play on the left side, um. So I think that that ben, you know, if we see a little bit more from him, I think that that's like a benefit to having a player like Christopher Lund. So I'm a little bit intrigued. I don't know if he's like starter capable, but I think someone to come in and help, like you know, when Nancy Robinson is definitely going to be burnt out because we use that we use that man, <laughs> we we run him down, and I feel really bad for him, but I also admire his moxie. Well, you're not you're not wrong. So I mean, again, I'm gonna agree with you on that one. <laughs> Obviously, Edward's not a defensive guy. Um, center backs. We saw Chris Rich play both in Germany and Ghana. Cameron Carter Vickers came in the second half in both Germany and Ghana. Actually, for Chris Richards, uh, we saw Tim old man Tim Ring play in Germany the in the Germany game, and then Miles Robinson played in the Ghana game. Um, yeah, I mean. Obviously, 
obviously Walker Zimmerman had his 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 eyes focused on uh on MLS, you know, because they're 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 trying to get you know obviously Nashville's trying to get an MLS Cup playoff spot, so I, I think maybe his attention was more towards that. Though I also think he just had a baby. I don't know how recent the baby was though. You you know don't get me on that one, but um but yeah um I think the I think it more and more I'm I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Richards and Cameron Carter Vickers become like our future center back pairing. Um, these guys are playing, and that's always a good thing. Tim Ream, man, I feel like this guy's just found the fountain of youth. <laughs> it's like this dude is old, but he's still like he he's he's sturdy, man. I like him. I like Tim. Ream. I used to, I used to not like Tim Ream at all, not like him at all. But like now he's growing, he's growing on me. Um, maybe it's because I'm old too. So now I'm like, <laughs> show those young guys how it's done. And then obviously I mean, Miles Robinson. It's great to see Miles Robinson back back with the U.S. Uh, the midfield. We saw Yunus Musa play both games against Germany and Ghana. Gio Reyna. I, I'm 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 just gonna always be talking highly about Gio Reyna. I love that guy. Uh, Germany and Ghana. I wonder when he's gonna make his big move. Um, maybe Manchester United wants to do a sw- a player swap for Jaden Sancho because that fell apart. <laughs> Maybe he needs. To, maybe Jaden Sancho needs to go back to, go back to Borussia Dortmund, find his groove back. Um, uh, uh, Luca Del Torre as well played in both games. Weston McKinney played in both games. Uh, Johnny Cardoso played also in both games. Honestly, I want to see more of Johnny Cardoso. Uh, this this kid is really good. I like him as a six. Um, and I mean with. With the way Tyler Adams' health has been lately, wouldn't be that bad of an idea to to start like the, seeing this kid play more for the U.S. men's national team. So, yeah, I like what I'm seeing from uh, Johnny Cardoso, Leonard Maloney, man. Um, I don't really get much of a good look of him. Um, I'm still not sure, but I mean, he played, so we got him. We lock. He, he's locked in for the U.S. So that's all. I guess the only positive to say, but he did. He did come <laughs> in in the Ghana game. The wingers, I mean, Christian Pulisic played in both games. We saw Kevin Paredes play in the Germany game. Timothy Weya, obviously being a problem as he always is, I love that. Obviously, everybody knows him. I'm, 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 I've been Team Tim Weya since, since day one. So I'm always glad that he he keeps showing out. Um, and of course, Brendan Aronson playing in both Germany and Ghana. You know, I've I've been trying to figure out what Brendan Aronson is. Uh, for the longest that word, because I just didn't know exactly what kind of is he. Is he a starter? Is he is he a for sure winger? Is he a is he a cam? And, and now I kind of figured out what his role would be for the U.S. Now this is gonna sound a little disrespectful, and this is coming from a guy that really likes Brendan Aronson. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, he's not particularly like elite. In anything, but he has like a tremendous work rate. Like he's 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 good enough to play in Europe. I'm not saying that he's not, but I'm if you were to tell me like what position he's a lead in, I can't tell you what exactly. I don't think he's an elite winger, and I don't necessarily think he's an elite number ten. But when he yeah. goes in, you you best believe he's gonna put his he's gonna put his 100 percent in there and then some. So like which. For me, that's like the perfect depth player. 
Uh, it's just a guy with a high work rate. You know when you put him out there, he's going to give you his all. Once again, this isn't like a jab at Brendan Aronson by no means. I think he's still an amazing player. There's players that are not necessarily particularly like elite in their position, but because of their work rate is the reason why they are playing in the top. Perfect example is Danny Carvajal. Is he the best right back in the world? Hell no. But, no. Does, that man, but, that, but does that man have a high work rate? You bet, That dude's in every play. Every yeah. play. The dude literally scored a header and a corner kick. We, if you would have told me who's scoring off of a corner kick in and a header, like I would have probably told you, uh, Rudiger, David Alaba, yeah. Jude Bellingham. I would have never thought we were going to say five foot eight. Danny Carvajal was going to score the header to tie the game against Sevilla, but that's his work rate. <laughs> the guy puts himself in in the best situation possible. So like that's. Just, and once again, there's no jab at saying a player's – I'm not saying they're terrible. They're just – are they are they literally the best in the world? No. But the, the fact that they work hard is why they, they are where they are. There's there's a ton of players that are like that, that are just not particularly special at anything. But because of their high work rate is why they are in the positions that they're in. And Brendan Aronson, I feel like, belongs in that category. Yeah. And – I mean, I can't, I can't say too much. Like I said, it, you have more knowledge of the, of the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I, I'm going to agree with you on this one. <laughs> yeah, all right, that's fair. And, of course, the forwards, which was Florian Bal- uh, Fol- I always mess up with his name. Folarin Balagun for, that played both in Germany and Ghana and, of course, Ricardo Pepe who played in uh, both Germany and Ghana games. Obviously, Balogun scored in the Ghana game, did not score in the Germany game. Uh, Pepe did not score at all. I think that this this is our, 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 our at least our strikers uh, for the for, from here on out. Maybe add another striker. Uh, but I think that these are the two guys that the U.S. are going to roll with. Um, I think the... I think the four-two-three-one formation is going to benefit both these guys because I I think Pepe can do it all. I'm still going to be a Pepe. <laughs> I'm still more of a Pepe guy than Balogun, but I see the t- the mm-hmm. talent with Balogun. And the Texas Rangers are going to the World Series. They won already. Yep, it is. It's over. It's over. Uh... Yep. So there goes the Astro season. Still proud of my boys. Don't worry about it. I'm not. I'm not mad in any way. I'm just after the after we record this episode. I'm just gonna cry cry myself to sleep. Um. But but yeah, uh, Balagun. I think Balagun and Pepe. Th- those are the two guys are gonna be running with. We might see maybe some different players every once in a while, especially when it comes to friendlies. But I think uh, I think this is gonna be the guys as long as they're healthy. I think these are the guys that we're gonna be seeing for the U.S. Uh, for for many for many call ups to come. Uh, but players that did not play at all, which I don't think there's any like anything to worry about, but there were three players that did not play in this call-up, which was Ethan Horvath, goalkeeper. I mean, unfortunately, Ethan Horvath is not playing at Nottingham Forest. Um, I don't even think he's the number two goalkeeper. Obviously, Matt Turner is the number one goalkeeper for Nottingham Forest. I could be wrong on that. I think they brought in another goalkeeper. Uh, but... Shut up, ESPN. Uh... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Ethan Horvath didn't play, but obviously he's the backup goalkeeper. He's not going to play. 
Uh, Alejandro Zendejas, um, he did not play as well. He also could play on the wing. Um, I think, I think, I don't think that that's necessarily anything to be worried about with uh, Zendejas. I think they just want to see a little bit more about Paredes. Once again, we're talking about friendlies. I think we all know what, what we're getting from Zendejas. So I don't think that Zendejas, I don't think anybody should be worried about Zendejas, like as far as where he, where he is with the team. But I mean, obviously Kevin Paredes, he's playing over in Germany with Wolfsburg. Um, I think the club, I think not the club. I think I think Berhalter just wants to see a little bit more from uh from Paredes. Wants to see what this kid's all about. Might be a player that we'll see playing in the Olympics. So I think that that's maybe the reason. Um, mm-hmm. so and there's also another U.S. cap that's actually currently going on for the Pan American Games. Um, but obviously that's I think that's Olympics. That's Olympic, not necessarily U.S. men's national team, but obviously most of them play for the U.S. men's national team. Um, but. I would say maybe Kevin Paredes might be one of those guys that we'll see in the in the uh, in the Olympics and not with the for the, for Copa America, but obviously I think Berhalter still wants to see what this kid's capable of. And the yeah. other and the other guy was DeQuan Jones. Uh, he was a fullback from New England Revolution. I'll be honest with you, Edward. I am not really high on this kid. I'm really not. I I don't necessarily see what what everybody else sees in him. Um. But then again, there's not a lot of like there's not a lot of fullbacks I can think off off the top of my head that are American that I can say, yeah, let's let's bring him in. So I think he's just once again probably one of the guys that benefited from Anthony Robinson not being available for the call up. Um because mm. like I said, I think I think Berhalter's a little bit more intrigued by Lund. Obviously, Lund played, DeJuan Jones didn't. So I think that if Anthony Robinson was here, I think this would be a different uh, you know, I don't think the Juan Jones would have been featured on this roster at all, which would have been very interesting because then there would only be one MLS guy on on this complete on this roster in total. Um, but but yeah, uh, aside from the aside from the results of the games, I think all in all, there's a lot of positive to take from them. Um, it, it's once again they're friendly, so maybe take it with like a grain of salt. It's gonna be. We won't really know what this team is really capable of once we're in like an actual like legitimate competition, which will be the next call up, which will be playing against Trinidad and Tobago. Say for what you want about that about that matchup, but that is gonna be, uh, you know, at least a legitimate competition. Once again, whatever you want to believe in the Nations League, but, but yeah. So, I, I don't know. I I think there's a lot of positive to take from it. I think the fact that we saw a new formation in this one makes me think that. Hopefully we might see some more different formations. Maybe we see a back three. I don't know, but I definitely think that uh, the U.S. definitely needs to needs to consider different formations because, you know, every every match is going to be different, right? Yeah. And friendlies is the best place to be trying out different formations and, and trying out different players. So, and this is a big summer. This is a real big summer because you have Copa America and you have the Olympics. So this is big for U.S., um, I still think that there's a lot of like, cause there's a, this team is still pretty young. Um, I know a lot of people don't realize, don't, oh, yeah. don't realize that, but, uh, there's going to be some of these guys, I believe are going to want to play in the Olympics, um, and actually play both in Copa America and Olympics. And I think that's going to be, uh, big for Burhalter to see how he's going to handle that. Um, because there's going to be a few guys that are going to want to play in both. Yeah, that's true. But, but yeah, all in all, uh, I think aside from me being mad about the Germany game, once again, that was an overreaction. But 
Um, still, nonetheless, I think was a pretty good call up. Uh, makes me want, makes me hope for more. So, congr- congrats, Berhalter. You gave me hope. Um, so we'll see how that how that stays with me. Um, all right, players of the week. I wear players of the week. Is brought to you by In the Clutch. In the Clutch is an amazing apparel company with amazing shirts designs that are all partnered with the players' associations of Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, uh, National Basketball Association, the National Football League, and so so much more. They have amazing designs. Obviously, I mean, maybe right now it's it's going to hurt me right now, but I am a I'm a Nationals fan. Um, they have some amazing designs for the Houston Astros. They've been making a lot of killer designs right now for the MLB playoffs. Probably not so much for the Astros, um, but <laughs> I will. Okay, so Edward, fun, fun, fun fact. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe depending mm-hmm. on how you feel about the Rangers right now, but so the Rangers, so they were they were going to win the AOS. They were on uh, on trajectory as long as they keep winning their games, keep winning their series. They were going to win the AOS. They 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 went down to Dookie in the near the end of the season, so that's why the Astros ended up winning the AOS. Right. Um, and so the Rangers decided that they needed to change things up, do something different to get the morale going. So they decided to play in the clubhouse higher by Creed. Huh. So they, they've been doing this. They've been listening to higher by Creed every single game. And since then, they've been going on the run. So you know what? Now it all makes sense. Not only were we playing against a very talented Rangers team, but we also had to go up against God. And so, you know what? If anything, that makes me feel a little bit better. You know, they, they needed God to win this series. So it was also pretty cool because Scott Stra- uh, Scott Stapp and, and Creed uh, actually went to a Rangers game. Um, they were all in the Rangers gear and everything. It was hilarious. Um, but, yeah, In the Clutch made a really cool shirt that actually says, come and take me higher. Um if I wasn't, if it wasn't for the fact that the Rangers are now a rival, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it now. It's a rivalry now. Um, I would get that shirt because it is awesome. I, I love, I love that backstory. I don't know, like, and never can tell you. I'm not, for someone that has had to watch shitty baseball from the Astros for so long. Um, I've had to just enjoy baseball, so I've been watching like all these teams. So there's like, even though I hate the Anaheim Angels. I still like players in Anaheim Angels, so I would still watch them. I, I would still watch the Angels play, even though I allegedly don't like this team. So I would rock the hell out of that shirt, but obviously now it's kind of like fresh wounds and all that stuff, so I kind of don't want to. But, but yeah, they have really sick, awesome shirt designs. Um, and once, And the best part of it all, man, all these designs go directly to the player, the player that that shirt is being uh, made for. Um, which obviously once again it goes all it goes to the players' associations. So, you know, if especially if there's a player that you like right now in baseball or in basketball or in any sport, um, and if you see their their design on the shirt, it's gonna make you feel so much more cooler. The fact that not only are you getting a shirt that you really like that feels amazing because it's super comfortable, the material is very comfortable and it fits very nicely. It has passed the fat boy test by Kelsey Coyne of Hilo Sports. Great quote by him. And <laughs> And not only that, but once again, it goes to the player association. So you'll be supporting directly that player. So if you guys want something even better, along with helping out your fellow players associations, 
If you guys use the code insert name at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% off your entire purchase. Once again, if you use the code insert name at checkout at intheclutch.com, you'll save yourself 10% off your entire purchase. So thank you to In The Clutch for being the presenting partner of Players of the Week. Edward, who's your Player of the Week? All right, so my Player of the Week, and I actually have to go with an ex-Barcelona player who's now playing in Atletico Madrid, Antoine Griezmann, who scored a hat-trick in the win in, against Celta Vigo. I mean, he... He 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 played his he played his game he played his game. Maybe he listened to Creed. Maybe he did. He was like, nah. he listened to Creed in 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 French. <laughs> I'm not gonna try that. <laughs> I was about to say. I was like, try it, try it. Here's, See here's who play tidbit. here's, me. Here's, here's a little tidbit. Hector Hector. Does a great impersonation let me, wait, let me, of this let me, song. Let me see if I could Google Translate Higher by Creed. Oh, oh God! I'll just do the chorus. So, 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 so he, so Hector does a very good Creed impersonation. Um, Higher is one of the songs, and Arms Wide Open is the other song that Hector can actually do really, really well. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who can vouch for this. Uh, I want to say maybe Felix or David can vouch for that. Um, I don't know if I did my my, my personal personally. Let me see. Okay, French. Let me see if I. Let me, <laughs> this is gonna go so well. Uh, okay, I have been trying to learn French. I've been using Duolingo, so. Um, obviously not, not still up to there yet. Uh, here we go. <laughs> this is so here bad. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry for all the people in France. Uh, pa tu me me ploha. Okay, that's gonna go bad. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's can you take me higher? <laughs> that's yeah. how you say, can you take me higher in French? Um, I am. I apologize to the the country of France for butchering your your language, even though I speak a Romance language as well. But yeah, Antoine Griezmann, hell of a performance. Obviously, hat tricks get you an automatic selection for Players of the Week. So good, good pick there, Edward. And of course, it's yeah, it's a it's a player you love in Antoine Griezmann. Yep. And who's your Player of the Week? My players. I'm going to the Premier League. I got. Mohamed Salah, who scored two goals in Liverpool's 2-0 victory against Everton. Yeah, speaking of something that's not a rivalry, um, Liverpool and Everton. I, I understand the beef. Obviously, they're both inside the same – they're all – they both play in the same city. But Jesus Christ, as this is this, – this is just a lopsided affair at this point, I think. Um, but, hey, Mohamed Salah, man, great. Great to bring him back on this list. Uh, very solid oh, performance. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations to Antoine Griezmann and Mohamed Salah for being our players of the week. I'm sure you guys were jamming to some Creed before these games. Um, but if you guys want to once again thank you to In the Clutch for being the presenting partner of this of these of this portion of the show. Um, once again, go to intheclutch.com, use that code insert name at checkout, and save yourself 10 percent off that your purchase. I I'm telling you, man, you're gonna love these designs. 
there's so many cool designs, man. There's actually a really awesome design uh, that they did with the Phillies. Uh, Nick Castellanos, uh, I believe it's his son, Liam. He made this shirt, like he drew his dad or drew himself. And then on the headband was like some Phillies players. And so the awesome, awesome, awesome thing that In the Clutch did was that they made, put that on a shirt. So that is going direct. And that, once again, goes directly to Nick Castellanos and his family. So, so obviously amazing amazing things that they're doing with uh with in the clutch so if you guys want to support that once again use the code insert name at checkout save yourself 10 percent off your purchase all right man so big games coming up this weekend edward uh not before we mention the big the leagues that we normally talk about the other leagues that are going on um atletico mg and fluminense are playing over in brazil it's a really good matchup both of them doing really well right now in brazil there's actually going to be another brazilian man- uh, matchup and that's flamengo taking on Red Bull Bracantino, also in Brazil. That's right. Red Bull also owns a team in Brazil. <laughs> so Damn. Also, I want to take this time to say fuck Max, Max Verstappen. He, he won the Austin Grand Prix. Uh, I'm just getting tired of Max Verstappen winning, man. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm really good. Damn. I'm just getting annoyed at this guy now. <laughs> also, Damn. probably because I'm a Checo Perez guy, too. So, oh, <laughs> so that's probably it, too. Um, PSV Eindhoven is taking on Ajax. Ajax is cheeks right now. God, they're playing so bad right now. My God, they're not. They're not. They're not playing like the Ajax we're used to know. Huh? No, they aren't. Now they're just somebody that I used to know at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some people will get that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the- I mean, Spence could play the that, that little chorus in the background. As soon as you said that, that would be nice. I mean, I edit these shows now, but yeah, I'll try. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, in Belgium, we have Club Bruges, Club the Bruges, Club Club Bruges taking on Antwerp over in Belgium. Another good matchup. Two good teams right now in Belgium, and FC Lugano taking on Young Boys over at Switzerland once again. Some really big teams, you know, maybe some deciding factors of where they're going to fall in line in their respective title races. So make sure yeah. you, if you guys are able to go watch them, go watch them. I think they're going to be some really good matchups. I believe you can watch the Eredivisie in uh, ESPN Plus. So if you have ESPN Plus, you could definitely watch the Eredivisie matches. So you can watch PSV. Maybe Ajax can figure it out in that game. I don't know, but it's going to be hard because you got Pepe. Pepe and Chucky Lozano. It is crazy to think that Chucky Lozano is back with PSV. Like it, it to me that that is just insane. Well, I mean, he he played good. It's just you know, yeah. No, I mean, no, I get that, but it's just it's weird to me. Like I I thought that maybe he would go to like the Prem or maybe go to La Liga. Nah, he's like I'm going back to the Eredivisie. Uh, so it's an interesting move to me. I mean, I think he still has so much potential. And obviously we did also hear about the potential that he was going to the MLS too, which I thought that was kind of weird too. But yeah. Maybe um, maybe he's going to be, uh, well, I don't, I don't think he'd be like Messi's, uh, like he'd be in Messi's uh, place. You know what I mean? No, I think the rumor would have, would have been at LAFC kind of be like that replacement for Carlos Vela. Um, yeah. But- um, but speaking of Major League Soccer, man, um, uh, round one of the MLS playoffs, man, it is the first round. Uh, a little weird, but you know, hey, MLS likes to make do things weird. 
it is going to be the best of three series in the first round of the MLS playoffs. So uh, we'll see who can who can take advantage of that new rule. Well, and uh, maybe if we like this new rule, um, because the MLS has definitely been changing their playoff format multiple times now. I don't know how many times I've had to explain the the playoff system for MLS at this point. Um, so, so we'll see. Maybe we'll like it. Maybe we won't. Who knows? And Liga Mackies, we got Chivas taking on Tigres and Monterrey taking on America. So, battle for some great positioning because obviously Liga Mackies playoffs is also around the corner. So we'll see how we'll see how the battle goes to get a good position in Liga Mackies. Also, their playoff format has changed as well. So it's not yep. not not what it used to be. Um, in League One, there's actually three really good matches. We have Brest taking on PSG, uh, Lille taking on Monaco, and Marcel taking on Leon, who has yet to have recorded a victory so far. Damn. Yep. I could be wrong on that. I don't know. I like the last time I saw Leon, they didn't have a single win. So not not looking good. Maybe they get relegated. Maybe I should do a jersey bed. No. No. Every time, every time you do a jersey bed, it, it tends to go wrong for you. I mean, I got the messy one, right? Yeah, you did. No, nah, I'm not going to do it. No, no. Nah. I'm not going to do it for League 1. Um, all right, Bundesliga. VFB Stuttgart taking on Hoffenheim. And uh, not necessarily a great matchup, but Frankfurt always ends up... It, it, Frankfurt always seems to be like a tough matchup, and they'll be taking on Borussia Dortmund, but not necessarily the best season so far for Frankfurt. Yeah, it's, it's they've been they've been iffy. They've been iffy. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the Serie A, we have Napoli taking on AC Milan. That's going to be a big heavyweight matchup, uh, right there in the Serie A. Um, and then Inter Milan taking on Roma. There's a there's some there's some rumors that uh, Jose Mourinho might be leaving Roma. <laughs> So has 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 nature has nature ran its course? I believe so. <laughs> Never forget that. Well, if if he leaves Roma, we'll do a we'll do a a will you remember like a whole little segment of just remembering all the great things that we can think of of his time in Roma. So we'll def <laughs> we'll definitely do that. Um, I'm sure I'm sure no one will mention that awkward marriage proposal that we had to all see. Which was my fault because I shared it to everybody. <laughs> yeah, you you're the one that, that told everybody. Bro, I was I felt uncomfortable and I wasn't even in that. <laughs> and you would have been uncomfortable if it was yours. Oh man, dude, that that I hope that marriage is working out. <laughs> I really do. Um in La Liga, we obviously Athletic Club be about taking on Valencia. And of course, it's a classical weekend. Edward, go fuck yourself as Barcelona takes on Real Madrid. Wow. Okay. Um, also, hostile, hostile. so, so, Edward, so, Edward and Spencer both ended up getting three points this past weekend from the Juventus AC Milan game. Um, so, Edward got his first victory. And, um, yeah, so, Edward still only, has only been, has only had two matches so far in the singing bet. Um, uh, table. Um, it's been mostly me and Spencer that have been facing off everybody each other. Um, yeah, I think my my matches are gonna end up coming in like late in the in the season. But yeah, so Edward's having his first one. I guess 
his first no not his first solo one but Edward's having another one as he's gonna as me and him are going face to face for Barcelona and Real Madrid in El Clasico. In the English Premier League, we have Crystal Palace taking on Tottenham. Not necessarily a sexy matchup, but the real sexy matchup here is the Battle of Manchester. Will Manchester be red or will it be baby blue? Um, and also another singing bet uh, on the line for Edward as he will also be facing off against Spencer. Uh, in the uh, English Premier right. League side. So Edward has a potential six-point opportunity um, to put him in or a very a promising... debacle. To potentially put him on top of the table. Edward isn't right currently at the bottom of the table, but that's only because he hasn't been in any matches so much so far, whereas me and Spencer have already had four matches. Against... Yeah, four matches against each other. Well, have already been in four matches, so... So yeah, so Edward Edward's gonna could possibly win get six points or could get in a really fucked situation um very early in the singing bed table. I'm gonna tell you something in Manchester with Manchester United, I feel like I'm gonna get fucked. But in Barcelona? I gotta say one thing I have, about Barcelona. I have a little hope, but... Can can y'all chill out with the young players? Like <laughs> Jesus Christ, y'all y'all over here like you know, Google and gogging for that Yamil kid, and now you got another one. <laughs> like Jesus Christ! Like okay, Lama, okay, so apparently Lamasaya is back. Um, that's exactly what we need, though. It's like everything ever. Once again, could I at least have one more bad season of Barcelona? Could I just get one more? Like before, I had to like start dealing with Barcelona again. And it was like I only got like one bad year of Barcelona. And that was like when Lewandowski just barely showed up. I'm literally that Wolver that meme of Wolverine just looking at a picture of uh what's what was the Dutch guy? Uh oh, um What was his name? Oh, Man, I was trolling that guy so hard. Um, Dutch guy, Dutch guy, Dutch guy, Dutch guy. Um, the manager the manager before shot me. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't Van Gaal. Uh, no, they he didn't. He didn't manage Barcelona. Yeah, no. Ronald Coleman. Coleman, Coleman. That's right. Yeah, I'm. I'm literally that meme of like Wolverine just looking at a picture of Ronald Coleman. Um, they're like, I miss when Barcelona was bad. <laughs> I really do. I really do miss Barcelona when they were bad. Um, Bro, I don't know what it is, like, but their young talent's starting to show up. So that's good, Jesus though. Christ. Man, how many? I think, how many, I think, how you know, many more awesome videos of just girls just slipping their numbers to these young guys are gonna, we gonna see? <laughs> Bro, I think I think you know what it is. That's literally the reason Gavi, why Pedri and Gavi are like my favorite players right now. <laughs> no, but the thing is, I think that's what it is. I think Pedri and Gavi have been setting the the limit of what you should be able to do when you come out of La Masia. Because, I mean, that's yeah. literally what they did. And, I mean, yeah, because Ansu Fati, like, a lot, there was a lot of a lot of promise from him, but obviously didn't pan out. I think mainly because of injuries. Um, props to him. He scored a goal against uh, Manchester City when he was playing with Brighton, but obviously they still yeah. lost. Um, but, you know, he needs to get his confidence back, and then, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, big – 
big matches this week. And obviously, when you have El Clasico and the Manchester Derby, um, but I'm, I'm sure Edward right now doesn't necessarily feel like it's rivalry right now. But, uh, but yeah, so that, there's a lot of matches going on, obviously. But if you guys want a little helper's guide, if you will, a little beginner's guide into football, well, there you go. Those are some really good matches. So we're going to go ahead and take one more break, and then we'll get going with our new segment of little reading from Reddit. Let me tell you guys about Belly Up Sports. Belly Up Sports is the internet sports bar. Go ahead and check out their website, www.bellyupsports.com, to read some great articles from great writers all across the country, from hockey, baseball, golf, soccer, you name it. Belly Up Sports is the premier, not your average, website. And we're back. So we're going to have a a Reddit reading. Um, If anybody wants to send me an interesting, uh, I don't know what's it called in Reddit, oh, a post from Reddit, and you want us to like share it here, uh, we'll we'll do that. You know, whenever. Um, now, is there any rules of the Reddit? What do you mean? Just for our listeners, like no, if they want to share a post from Reddit, any, anything that's anything that's borderline stupid. I mean, I'm all for it. Um, if it makes me laugh, I'll definitely do it. But like, but yeah, so, um. So I've been seeing a trend with a lot of podcasts that they've been doing these I Am I the Asshole uh, segments. So I decided that that was going to be one of the first reads that we would do. And so here is the title, Edward. Am I the asshole for refusing to go to my best friend's wedding after he asked me to be his best man because he didn't invite my girlfriend to the ceremony? What the hell? Keywords are important here. Keywords are important here. All right. Here comes. One of my best friends. Is he your best friend or one of your best friends? You can't just say, yeah, yeah, that, okay, that just that just ruined your argument there. Has so now he, so is he your best friend? Has recently got engaged to his girlfriend of four years. They will be getting married next year, and I was over the moon for them, as you should. A few days ago, he asked me to be his best man and said yeah, and I said yes. I never have considered saying no, but yesterday official invites were handed out, and my girlfriend was only granted an evening invitation. Okay, so she was only invited to the uh, reception. reception. So she was, so she wasn't invited to the church thing. Which I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. No offense, Edward, but uh, I'd rather not go to the ceremony. I'd rather just go to the reception. But that's just me. That's me. If anything, you're gonna start the reception pretty fucking early. Exactly. Oh, uh, I mean, but yeah. So okay, but so she was invited. She was invited to the wedding. She just wasn't invited to the ceremony. She was invited to the reception. They said that they were only allowed 50 people to the ceremony and 100 to the evening, and any additional seats will cost them money. I mean, weddings are expensive. If it were a case of the pair of them having huge pools of family and friends and they had to make a cut, I wouldn't feel angry about it, but they both have very small families. And then I found out that the people they met online playing video games have been invited to the day and not only that, but their partners have also been invited. It just feels like a bit of a slap to the face, being the best man and not being allowed one space. Hmm. Hey, man, your squad on, on Call of Duty or Fortnite or wherever the hell y'all playing, like, hey, man, that's deep. Also, yeah. I mean, are, do they just know them through playing video games or do they also hang out in other settings? I mean, like, 
I don't know. I'm 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 really not liking the the writer of this of this story. Cuz you you know he seems petty. We don't see the other side. Exactly. I don't see the I'm not seeing the obviously we don't know the other side. But like, you know, like you're going to devalue these people like, "Oh, they're just the people they play with video, online with in video games." I mean, ever plays with a lot of people online. He also hangs out with some of them. So I mean like Yeah, like uh, Josh and Juice, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but they're also my bros. Yeah. So so, I mean, it's, uh, you know, like, you're my brother, and then these two are my bros. So, yeah. I mean, and... I also have David David and Felix, though. So. Yeah. So, it's like, you know, it's just uh, little little things here and there. I also think but... that this guy doesn't realize that this this ain't his wedding also. I just want to point that out. Well, for, for one, if it's his best friend's wedding, and his best friend's the dude, the groom, one yeah, of his best friends. He's 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 <laughs> No, I get what you mean. I, I get he's what you mean. Not, he's, not, he, he's not gonna he's not gonna be able to he's not gonna be able to bring anybody that he wants because more than likely the 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 bride to be was the one that decided, hey, this girl can't come over for some reason. Exactly. I don't know why. Um I don't know. Let's get to the bottom um, of this. All right. The bride has often said that she doesn't like new people in her life, and my girlfriend has very rarely been invited to social events at their house. Okay, well, that makes a lot more sense. Though, when she first started seeing my friend, I made sure she was invited to everything we did from day one. I've been with my girlfriend for six months, and by the time the wedding comes, it'll be pushing two years. Wait, what? Okay, wait a minute. So... Hold on. They're getting married next year, right? I've been with my girlfriend for six months, and by the time the wedding comes, it'll be pushing two years. So is he saying that it's gonna be a year, okay? So wait, are you months? are you currently been with this girl for six months? Okay, well that just throws everything out of the table. If you've been with this person for months, I don't care that you're gonna. Be- Dang, that's a long engagement. But hey, they're saving. They're probably saving up. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, like you've only been like, no offense, six months is that's not a year. So I mean, like, I'm sure that's an achievement for you. Maybe I mean, it seems like you're pretty petty. I don't know how long, how long your relationships have been, <laughs> but dear God, but like, okay, so yeah, you 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 guys been together for six months. I mean, that can also be the argument. Like, do I want this girl in pictures if if this doesn't work out? Also, two yeah. years, that's a pretty big, like, yeah, things are going to keep working out by then, you know? I mean, I mean I'll mean, i give him this. He's hopeful. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll props to him on that one. Uh, but anyways, I ended up telling my friend that not only would I be pulling out of being his best man. Okay, that's fucking petty. But I wouldn't be going to the wedding, and if it's safe to say he w- and it's safe to say he wasn't best, please. Well, no shit. He tried no to explain shit, it shit. rationally with there not being space for her, but I stuck to my guns. I know this may make me the asshole because I'm throwing away years of friendship for something that likely wasn't a huge consideration for them. There just wasn't enough space. But knowing how this had made me feel, I don't think I'm capable of giving a nice speech during the day. Yeah, you're the asshole. I'm I'm sorry, you're you're the asshole. Yeah, I don't agree with it. At, at the end of the day, that. you're not the one getting married. Like the the invitation list, and I'll, once again, 
she's not it's not that she's not invited she's going to the reception she's invited to the reception and to be fair i would much rather go to the reception than to the ceremony you gotta depending on where the ceremony is at most likely in a church i'm assuming it it, no offense i'm just not very religious um but honestly the ceremony just it feels like an eternity actually edward he went to a wedding (laughs) recently yeah, the ceremony just takes forever, man. I'm, I'm like, and, and like, I mean, unless you're in the wedding, it, it's, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty much a drag. Like, I'm sorry, like, it, it to me, it's not fun. Like, unless it's the wedding, and I, I've seen a lot more weddings now where the wedding is also the the ceremony is also in the same place where the reception is, which I think is a little bit more convenient. But like, yeah, I think I would much rather be at the reception. Like, okay, all right, yeah, y'all do y'all's vows. I'll, I'll catch y'all at the reception. Like, you know, at least that's me. Yeah. At least, at least that's my part. Um, But yeah, yeah, this dude's definitely the asshole. One, it, it's not your call, man. Like, it's not, like, the at the end of the day, she still got invited. She just didn't get invited to the the ceremony. I'm sure she might be just pleased for just being going to the ceremony. She didn't know that she, I mean, invited to the reception. I'm sure she didn't know that she wasn't getting invited to the ceremony. Um, But... Yeah, I, yeah, I think dude needs to get off his high horse. There was an update to this though, by the way. Where... Oh, was there? Yeah. So I guess like people went, uh, you know, went on him though. So he's like, so here's the update. Thanks for the response below. I appreciate. It seems I'm blowing things out of proportion for a day that isn't about me. See, <laughs> I will do mm-hmm. what I can to rectify this with my mate. In the heat of the moment, it just felt like a more personal slight. One thing, how is that a personal site? It's not your fucking wedding. Uh, one thing of the of the responses makes uh, make clear is that I didn't make it well known that I've been friends with both the bride and groom for the duration of their relationship, and due to their joint at the hip nature and the nature of our friendship group, people people's partners have usually been welcomed with open arms to everything. As I said in my above post, I did everything I could to make the bride feel comfortable in the group when she was first introduced and we consider each other group a good friends. The point of contention with me is more so that if we were together in a year's time when the wedding rolls around. Okay. So we're, yeah. So they're only been together for six months and he, he he's speaking hypotheticals right now. Yeah. When the re- wedding rolls around, I'd like to think that she was established in the group. I wouldn't dream of not asking my best friend's partner to the most important day of my life. We're all tight knit group of friends and see each other regularly, partners and all. It's just that my partner doesn't get an invite when it comes to social events hosted by the bride and groom. I know for a fact if the roles were reversed and she wasn't invited to my wedding, there would be hell to pay because there have been instances where I've invited my friend without his girlfriend for lads night out and she's kicked off. I'm assuming these people are British. Um, Could be. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's okay. Um, I don't okay. The the whole like not including the girlfriend. I mean, six months. I think that's pretty serious at that point. So I mean, I would say like, yeah, you know, bring her over. You know, I don't necessarily think that's the. I think that's kind of like a red flag. But like, once again. Like you're talking about a wedding that's not gonna happen till like a year, <laughs> yeah, or a year and a half since you're saying that you guys basically be together for what? two years. Let me, let me let me let me let me put this scenario too because I just thought about this right now. 
what if this was the best friend's wife or bride to be or whatever way of saying, hey, like, I don't think that your best friend's gonna last with this girl. So how about we just invite her to the reception? You know, to the reception. Like just that. that. That's like it's like the uh, how I met your mother uh, when what was when it? Ted would take when Ted would take anybody basically. Yeah, like the, I mean, like the, you know, to the meetings, like to the big to the, the big moments. Yeah, and like now, uh, what was the character's name? Uh, Lily. Lily has like this right. whole photo album of Ted with just a random girl, and it's yeah. like. And it is awkward because, like, say if you were ever, you know, when 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 you get when you get older, you want to like go through that photo albums and reminisce. I mean, it would be kind of hilarious to poke fun of the guy, like I'm Jesus never... Christ, man, figure it out <laughs> or something. Full, full disclosure, I've never brought a random girl around Hector. They've always been like a potential somebody, like. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, never have I brought a girl that I'm talking to that I'm like, oh, okay, you know, like it's like uh, for yeah. instance, uh, kind of, kind of whatever we're saying. Like, there's only in, in like my family photo albums right now. There's only like one girl that I've been with that's in those photos. Is it mm-hmm. kind of awkward? Well, because of how the relationship been, that's the only reason why it's awkward. But, <laughs> um, but aside from that, like, it's not, it, you know. Because I was with that per- the person I was with, it actually got pretty serious. I mean, she met my mom and everything. There was another person I dated. It was kind of an accident that she met my mom, um, but you know, <laughs> that's neither here or there. Um, but Edward makes the same. But I, I, I'm actually with I'm with the bride. You know, like how how do we guarantee that she actually is going to be there? You know, we're talking about a year and a half. You know, mm-hmm. so like. I think yeah, I think uh, or maybe by the time they updated this, it was, it was a year now. Um, but yeah, like I yeah, I'm I'm with the I'm with the bride. I think the bride is actually she's not not inviting her. Like she's just like okay, you can come to the reception. Just she can't come to the ceremony. Which once again, my argument is that if I'm not in the wedding, I'd rather just not go to the ceremony. So, like the only reason why you go to the ceremony is either you're in the wedding, either you're like a groomsman or a bridesmaid, or obviously you're the bride or the groom or you're the pastor. Or your your family, right? Mm-hmm. Family and like cl- close loved ones. Like I don't want to be. You, you know, that's not who, where you invite the guy that you hang out. Like your your work bestie. You know, like you only see that guy at work. Like hey, yeah, come see me. Come come watch me get married. Like I don't know about that. Uh, but but the ceremony, like the reception, I think that's that's fair game. Like that's like where the fun is going on. Everybody's happy. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's eating good food. The bride and groom never get to eat at all the whole time, um, which is kind of funny because they're getting yanked around to take pictures. Um, but yeah, like I, I think he's, I think the bride's doing anything more the girl more of a service, because one, it avoids the awkwardness of like all the ceremony photos of all the group photos from the ceremony of her being in there, and then what happens if things don't work out? Now that's just a whole awkward conversation where ceremony photos. There's gonna be like, you'll see her every once in a while in the photos, maybe a few group photos. But aside from that, it's not necessarily the end of the world. And once again, she's still she gets to be in the fun part of the wedding, which is the party. Yeah. So like I don't think like once again, it's not a jab or anything. I don't think it was disrespectful. 
I think he read it way into it. But any, oh well, here's the last thing that he said. Anyway, the the point of this edit isn't to try and convince people that I'm in the right. You're not in the right. I can see quite clearly that I've um, I've overreacted and that things could have been resolved in a different way. But I just wanted to give a bit more context into our friendship because it's not a case of my friend is getting married to a woman I've barely met. I class her as a friend and have made every effort to make her feel included from day dot. What? Thanks for the from honest day one, maybe. Probably. It's probably a British thing. Thanks for the honest comments. Yeah, you, this dude's clearly the asshole. Um, and then also, if if you if this was such a big deal to you, why didn't you just confront the bride then? Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm I mean, not, I'm not saying like, I mean, if she's your friend, um, but no, and then once again, you know, they, she's not, she's not invited. She, she's still going to the wedding. So yeah, this dude, I think this dude's completely over. And then also six months relationship. That's a, that's kind of a stretch. That is a stretch. I like. If it works out, awesome. I'm. I hope that it works out for that guy. But, like, yeah, that's kind of like yeah. It Maybe it's not. It's like that weird mix of like, yeah, it's getting serious, but like at the end, like who knows? <laughs> kind of still, you know. Especially, I think depending on the age too. Like yeah. I don't know how old this guy, but if, if his friends are getting married, I'm assuming then maybe late twenties. Mid mid to mid to late twenties, maybe going into the thirties, maybe. So, so I, I mean, I think when you're older, like I mean, like maybe like you and me right now in our age, right? Like we're, the fact that we're in our thirties now, like I think mm-hmm. now, like if you're dating someone and like let's say I'm getting married and you're seeing somebody that's been it's like six months now, and obviously now our like we're we're in that stage where we're like we know what we want and like. Clearly, I'm not I'm not here to waste my time. And clearly, this person is someone that I'm like being serious with. Six months is actually kind of like I feel like the older you are, the faster you can probably get through relationships because like now you kind of know better um, or at least you hope you know better. Um, so I think like maybe it'd be different for that case where I'd be like, yeah, no, she can come to the, you know, to the ceremony and all that, because obviously like it's serious. It's getting serious with you, too, especially if she if she meets the boys. So that that would be the the obviously like yeah she's coming to the wedding you know yeah yeah so whereas if like I was in my twenties and you're dating this girl for six months I would probably tell her like hey bro um she's still she's invited she's just going to the reception yeah I, I'm out of seats for the the ceremony right and there was like I'm surprised you even invited her you're right I'd be like <laughs> okay that's cool. So yeah, so I mean, of I course, think... if she gets upset, I'm gonna be like, well, I mean, I'll be like, you're still invited to the reception. Yeah. It, it, also, I think that the and it and it and it should be and if she's like, if she's like, do something about it or blah 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 blah, blah and I'll be like, all right, let me ask Hector, and then I'll go talk to Hector and be like, Hector, kind of like you, I'm talking to you about the the wedding. I'm gonna raise my arms. I feel like that becomes a red flag, right? <laughs> I'm be like I'm pretending that I'm gonna yell at you, and, I'm, and then you're gonna be like, "Why? This is the reason why." And I'm gonna yell stuff, random stuff. I'm gonna be like, "Gar gar 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 invitation, gar 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 gar." She didn't get invited. Gar 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 gar. 
<laughs> I wonder if you're like in your twenties, does that become like a red flag where she's like offended that we'd like you're only talking about months here and she doesn't get invited to the ceremony? Does that become like a red flag to you? I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to ask a question to somebody. I mean, like, do you find this offensive if you don't get invited to a wedding? This is actually like a really good like conversation. I'm not saying like ask like all on your first day and th- this become the icebreaker in any way. But I think amongst friends, this would be like a funny like conversation. Be, let me ask you this: like, it'd be horrible to bring that person if you've only been talking, and then that's technically like the first date. That would be crazy. Oh, if it's like if we're talking about like y'all haven't even like you're still at the at the stage where you guys aren't even telling yourselves about how you guys really are. Like, I mean, that's like to me, like, yeah, that person's definitely not getting invited. Yeah, pretty much. So no, yeah, uh, yeah, no, the guy was definitely an asshole. Um, so yeah, that was our our reading from Reddit. Also, if you guys ever want to send me something, Edward, if you ever find something stupid on Reddit, obviously by all means, I actually did kind of like it. I, I don't know about you. Obviously, we'll find out how everybody feels about it, but it I actually right. kind of liked it. it. Right. Yeah. So well, maybe maybe we'll do this like a something to rotate with like three up, three down, and like the 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 five aside drafts. Just something else that we do like for a closing segment. But all right, man. So that is the episode, episode 149. We've got to give a shout out to the Belly Up Podcast Network. Check out their website, bellyupsports.com. Uh, follow them on Instagram and X, formerly known as Twitter, yep. at Belly Up Media and at Belly Up Sports. Um, Gold CV, man. Thank you, Jose Tejas, once again for coming on and um, and talking MLS playoffs with us. Um, go ahead and check out goals.tv, man. Subscription right now is free. So go ahead and check it out, man. I guarantee you. There's going to be something for you, especially if you're looking for soccer content. And uh, follow them on Instagram at goals.tv, G-O-L-Z.tv. And on the X, formerly known as Twitter, at goals underscore TV, G-O-L-Z underscore TV, uh, to get your content on all the things going on at Goals TV. Um, they're doing some coverage also for the USL playoffs. So also shout out to them. Ah, oh, man. Speaking of USL playoffs, man, that, that was heartbreak for the San Diego Loyal. Uh, they get eliminated in the first round, and that's it. Um, if you guys don't know, the San Diego Loyal, unfortunately, um, is no longer going to be of existence in the USL. Um, is there a correlation with the with San Diego FC? Probably. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, that club will no longer be existing anymore. Um, if you guys don't know, that's also the team, I believe, Landon Donovan, I don't know if he managed it or I know he managed it at one point. I don't know if he had what 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 else connection he has to that club, but yeah. Um but yeah, so heartbreaking. Uh San Diego Loyal. Amazing logo, amazing brand, uh amazing fan base. Uh unfortunately they will not be existing anymore in the USL. So RIP to the San Diego Loyal. Um but yeah. Uh but yeah, check out Goals TV. And also, of course, shout out to Roosevelt Spencer, man. If you guys like the intro and outros for our episodes, if you guys are wondering how the hell our voices don't sound as bad on on our singing bets, well, it's because of Roosevelt Spencer, man. We love him so much, man. We appreciate him so much that we have named the Roosevelt Spencer's Player of the Year Award after this man. And so we always try to give him as much love and appreciation. He's definitely been becoming a big soccer fan because of uh, me and Edward we we we've helped step up his jersey game in in the in soccer as well so 
we always uh we always show uh Spencer as, as much appreciation as whenever we can. Um and we thank him so much for all his hard work. So follow him on Instagram at that guy dope. Once again at that guy dope. Uh make sure you guys hit him up and message him if you guys need some beats, whether you're a singer, a YouTuber, or you're trying to start a podcast, Spencer will take very great care of you like he always does with us. So thank you to Spencer. So with all that being said, man, thank you so much for listening to episode 149. Catch us next week for episode 150. Um, do I know what we're going to talk about yet? No, but uh, I'm sure it'll be fun when we figure it out. Yep. Um, take care, guys.